on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecock, the show. By the Barnabinium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown Carolina! Touchdown Ace Sanders! Pressure! Penny just dives in! Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live always, always from the Sinorama Studios. They are the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks, Sinorama, located in West Columbia, owned and operated by Matt Vaughn. Gamecock owned and operated Sinorama. It's the luckily to have Sinorama as our partner for our studios here on ITG. Of course, we're served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and built by the Barndo Co. The barndominiumco.com is that's where you can go. The Barndo Co. Or you can build your dream home in four states for as low as $160 per square foot. It's the Carolinas, Georgia, and Tennessee. Uh, JC is traveling to the Palmetto State, so he will not be with us today. David Cloninger will, and so will Matt Anderson. Phil and I will be here till 2 o'clock, and we look forward to keeping all of you around as we navigate uh, through the waters of Gamecock Athletics and beyond the hoops on the road last night in T-Town, it did not go well, as we all well know. A loss for Lamont Paris and the boys couldn't shoot it. And uh, we'll get more into that coming up here in just a little bit. Of course, the breaking news, and it uh, came out last night. Matt Zenitz initially broke it. John Whittle put a article out on the Big Spur after midnight is that the Gamecocks are hiring a very well-known assistant coach in our neck of the woods, James Coley, coming over from Texas A&M. Again, according to Matt Zenitz with 24-7 Sports, the co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach will be joining Shane Beamer's staff. 
And, uh, of course, there's uh, been a bunch of chatter about this um, throughout the morning, and it's been reported elsewhere as well. In addition to that, uh, Jody Wright uh, will be leaving the program and taking on the head coaching position at Murray State. Um, so, Phil, we will, we'll start there, and then we'll work our way into some basketball and things like that. Uh, first of all, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Doing well. Well, everybody make it through the storm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's. <laughs> all uh, all right. I will. I will say this. I'll say this uh, before we even get into all that. Um, anybody that that was affected by this yesterday, uh, our thoughts and prayers uh, and, and and all those type things are are with you. But um, especially for the town of Bamberg, uh, Bamberg, South Carolina, was eaten up by a tornado. If you've ever been to Bamberg, the the downtown area that they have, um, and now what's left of that downtown area was greatly affected, and um, it is it is a shell of what it was just 24 hours ago. So, uh, if you know anybody from 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 Bamberg, South Carolina, uh, if you've ever been there uh, or whatever it is, uh, pray for those people. That there's no doubt a bunch of bunch of bad stuff happened there. I had half a fence fall down, and I was up out there in 60-mile-an-hour winds with my neighbors yesterday trying to get it. I mean, the whole thing fell down. And I said, well, before this sucker blows off with who knows what's coming in this next band, I'm going to get out here and try to get this thing back up. So we did. That's fun. But um, so, yeah, it was a nasty day yesterday and maybe some more nastiness on the way on Friday. So anybody, anybody that's been affected by these storms at the end of the day, people remember now coaching Myers and basketball and things like that. Um, we are absolutely going to be thinking about them moving forward. And if there's a way we can help, uh, we're, we're certainly going to do it. There's no doubt. Um, all right. So let's, let's get to the football stuff. Uh, you know, I did some checking on this this morning, Phil, um, you know, and I know that there has been, I know that there has been things that have come up on message boards and social media and stuff like that. There's obviously some people out there who know people. Uh, and, and some of those people kind of had some of this scoop for a while. We, we obviously, we can't just talk about hearsay, although we heard things, but none of it was really confirmed. I, what I did get confirmed this morning is this been, this has been in the works for, for quite a few days. And, um, and so this is, this was happening. Uh, it looked like Jody, Wright. Congratulations to him to head off and be a head coach at Murray state. Fantastic. Uh, Jody has served South Carolina very well, and I know Shane does not like losing him. Uh, James Coley has been around a while, and I think you probably all by now checked out his resume. And it's not just at Texas A&M, you know, where he's been successful. Uh, he uh, played at Florida State and uh, has coached with LSU as a GA. He's coached with the Miami Dolphins. And then uh, more importantly, or I guess more recently, since 2008, uh, he has spent time with the Blue Bloods in, in the sport of college football. Florida State until 2012, Miami for three seasons. He was in Athens, Georgia after that. And then the last uh, few years at Texas A&M with Coach Fisher. And now he'll be joining Shane at South Carolina. Uh, he, he is an elite recruiter. There's no doubt. You just need to go back and, and, and look at who he signed. He signed Carson Beck in Athens. He's signed Riley Ridley in Athens. He signed all kinds of players over the years, I think. It's a total of 44, four and five star if you're a star guy or gal, if that's what you go by. 44 of them he has signed. So he, he's one of the better recruiters out there, no question. 
Um, I personally don't know much about him as an actual coach, you know, as a developer and things like that. I've kind of had to lean on the people that, that know more than me. And, um, and they all think that he will be an asset uh, at the University of South Carolina. Now, look, he's, you know, with, with Jody leaving and him coming in, my understanding is this really doesn't affect the fact that they're still going to fill a running back position. Like he's going to come in, coach tight ends, um, and I guess, uh, you know, probably have something to do with with the offense um, with Dow Loggins. I mean, he, he knows it pretty well. He's been an offensive coordinator or at least a co-offensive coordinator for multiple years, and he's he's seen a lot. So they're still in the in the market to hire a running backs coach, and, and it's all been fairly quiet. I mean, I've picked up some little things here and there, but there's no sense of passing any of that along because I don't I don't know I don't know. I don't have a bunch of evidence to back up what I've been told, Phil. So right. um kind of working uh, with working on some of that information. But um but anyways, yeah. So uh, David Cloninger will be here in about twelve uh, now eleven minutes, and he'll certainly be able to talk about a lot of this. Uh, I know that DC a few days ago put out a report uh, in the Post and Courier that um, the Gamecock staff was headed to the Lone Star State to speak with somebody. Uh, I would think that we could all kind of assume that this is who he was talking about, and uh, so we'll we'll let him dig into that a little bit as well. But. Um, you know, Phil, I, I go back to when Shane got hired at South Carolina, and I remember when Marcus Satterfield stood on the podium and talked about the staff and not hiring SEC retreads and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. You know, Shane didn't say that. Um, that's what Marcus Satterfield said. And I don't know if he would consider James Coley an SEC retread. Uh, he has been in the league since 2016. And he has been a fairly successful coach, but um, so that's certainly something I'm sure that's going to come up if it hasn't already amongst right. Gamecock fans on message boards and stuff like that. But it obviously looks like uh, this is an outstanding addition uh, to this staff. Yeah, you look. Uh, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, this guy definitely has some good bona fides and and a track record of attracting big time talent. Uh, to different places, which, you know, fits hand in hand with, I think, kind of what we all perceive Shane Beamer to be, or at least to have been uh, prior to his head coaching job here at South Carolina is one heck of a recruiter. I mean, he goes after it and, and gets it. So adding somebody to the staff that is going to support that is not a bad decision at all. And somebody with you know, retreads. I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> that 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 killed me. But okay, that that guy was saying it to defend himself, I would imagine. Uh, and and good on him for whatever he's gonna do next year. But no, I think Coley's an excellent addition. You hate to see Wright go. Um, I know he was well liked in the building and and is going to be a loss for sure, especially with the success he had and and helping to flip that tight end room last year was completely barren and actually was able to bring in some guys and has continued to, you know, recruit productive guys for this year too. But uh, yeah, best of luck to him at Murray State. I wish him all the best. Absolutely. Yeah, Jody, Jody's, a, Jody's a classy guy. He's a good football coach. And Murray State got a good, great guy. Great guy. He's, he's going to do very well there, I, I have a feeling. Be interested to see what he does with his staff. 
Um, speaking specifically uh, to Jody, when he gets to Murray State, is there anybody uh, at South Carolina that I'm not necessarily speaking about on the field? That's that's the type of job where you can bring somebody who's ready to move on to the field. Is there somebody in Columbia that maybe would be interested in going with Jody and 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 trying to kind of get off uh, or, or get their career started out there actually coaching uh, on the turf in Murray, Kentucky. So we'll find out as far as uh, James, as far as James Coley goes, you know, it's again, he, he's proven to be an elite recruiter. I, I think that it's fair. Every single hire will always get dissected and diagnosed and, and discussed at nauseum when you're in the sec and you know fans are obsessed with it and 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 that's that's part of what makes this great and so i think that one of the phil one of the questions that's probably going to be asked and it's it's it really just comes in my opinion from having a case of ptsd um is is this guy any an elite recruiter with a blue blood on his chest or is any is he an elite recruiter and 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 like so like we can't we can't be two faced about having this conversation because I know I've said it so I'll put my name on it and I know JC said it and I know that you've talked about it and 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 I don't know you know I'm not going to I'm not going to go further than that but recruiting to places like the University of South Carolina uh to Mississippi State to Kentucky, you know, blue collar programs and a league that's got a blue bloods in it, a lot of blue bloods in it. It's it's different. It's different. And uh, when you when you have now the transfer portal involved, you have to be careful because you know you sign a top notch player and he might within a year or two decide he's going to head on to Georgia or Alabama or or wherever it may be. So it it it, it I'm sure that it makes fans when they when they look at this fans who have seen this before and you saw a lot of this under coach Muschamp the guys who can leave and go to Alabama mad dog they can go to Georgia they can probably go to Florida or you know Auburn LSU wherever and sign a bunch of players and those guys come in and they play really well and then at South Carolina you know you might be able to sign a couple of those guys but not not the that mass number that you were able to do at some of those other schools and so it's a little bit of ptsd for people who see somebody who has has recruited so well at places named florida state at places named georgia at places named texas a&m it it seemingly seems easier to recruit to those programs now i'm I'm not saying that it was i'm not saying that it was and you know when he was at florida state i think would they win the national championship in 2014 right so uh, you know, he was. This was prior to that. And I'm sure a lot of the guys he recruited helped build to getting to that point. Uh, leaving there and 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 going down to Miami and then going to Georgia and and so, can he recruit at South Carolina? I I, I don't I don't have the answer. I, I don't know that anybody does. I I would venture a guess, and this is just an assumption on my part here, is that um you know Shane Beamer identity since he got to South Carolina like if you. If you want to criticize Coach Beamer or whatever, everybody's entitled to any criticism you want to give any coach for whatever, whether it's ridiculous or not. But one thing you can't criticize about Shane is has he done it his way or not? And and he has. Hat tip to to Coach Beamer for doing things the way that he feels best to do them. 
And he has certainly signed guys to come coach here who we were all going, I don't know who that guy is. Right. Who the hell is that guy? Um, and and some worked out and, and some of them didn't. Um, some of them we still maybe don't know yet because their, their tenures aren't complete at South Carolina. Or I know who that guy is, but I'm not too sure about this for whatever reason you may have in your mind. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get in the weeds on that. But this guy, you know, if you followed recruiting, then you probably know who James Coley is. And, um, but, it, but it's fair to question whether having the, the block C on your chest versus the G or the A&M logo or the Florida State logo you know, whether he can walk in and do, do the same magic in somebody's living room to get that young man to come play football there. So fair conversation to have, understand why people would want to have it. And uh, I guess we'll find out because he's going to hit the road recruiting here pretty soon. But yeah, I, I mean, and you think that, I mean, Shane would have vetted him to the point where he feels like he's comfortable and being able to recruit no doubt. Uh, in such a unique fashion as is required here at South Carolina. I mean, it is, you know, like you said, JB, it's not – you can't just flash the name up there and be like, come on, come one, come all. <laughs> you know, you yeah. got you to gotta sell this school. And uh, I think it is in the manner in which they sell the school uh, as to whether or not they are, A, successful, and B, able to uh, bring guys in here who actually are going to, you know, stay for more mm-hmm. than just one season. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, you know, this guy too has, I mean, he's worked with Saban. Um, he's worked with Jimbo. He's worked with B. Shane's, you know, Shane knows these guys pretty well too, right? Um, you know, he's, he, he's been in and out of these. So he, he's got enough information. One of the things too, that I, I have found really interesting with coach Beamer is, is how much he in, involves his staff in making some of these hires. Uh, Dowell Loggins is the architect of the offense now for the Gamecocks. And, and you know, from what I understand, Dowell Loggins had very much a say in this. And, um, and so, you know, if, if the offensive coordinator is comfortable with whoever it's going to be, that's going to help him put this offense together. That's also a good thing. I mean, you, you hate to hire somebody that comes in because you feel like they're the best guy for the job, but then they don't click with the guy they're actually going to be working under. Yeah, Shane is who everybody works underneath. I get that. But if you're the tight ends coach, and I don't know if he'll be co-OC here or not. I don't. That, that might be something just entitled to get him more money. I don't, I don't know if they decided to go that route. But Dow Loggins, make no mistake about it, is the offensive coordinator. So, like, Dow Loggins has a say in this. And Shane's very good about making sure that his coordinators, whether we agree with it or not, or whether we agree that his coordinators – you know, are capable of making those type of decisions or, or not. It, it doesn't matter. Shane's the head coach. He empowers them to have that type of power to be able to make these decisions. And um, so this, the, from what I understand, this was kind of a collective deal, and and James Coley is coming to South Carolina. Again, still an opening. The, the running back job is still open at South Carolina, and uh, and they're, they're, I think, closing in on getting that done here pretty soon too. So we'll see. But it was certainly something that came out of, I would venture a guess to say, nowhere. Uh, as uh, as my phone pinged late in the evening and, and I got the news of what was kind of happening. Again, credit to Matt Zenitz with 24-7 Sports for actually breaking this initially. And then uh, John Whittle for following up on that after midnight. 
on the Big Spur. So what we'll do is we'll step aside, Phil, because it's 11-19, and David Kloniger, much like John Whittle, uh, gets a little grumpy when we're when we're getting them in late. You know, they, they have a set time. They know what time we ask them to be here, and if we're late, they start charging late fees and things like that. So we don't want to pay any of those. We will pay our bills by hitting a timeout. When we return, we'll get into more of this with D.C. Plus the Gamecocks loss on the road last night in T-Town. Once again, uh, a tough environment for them to play in. And once again, still have not won in Coleman Coliseum since Mike Morgan was the voice of Gamecock basketball. Valentine's Day 2009. Ooh, yikes. They'll head to Missouri this weekend to try to get back on track. All that ahead. Hang tight. ITG will be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up the screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns to Touchdown, number Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence, the Website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. not surprisingly delicious it's expectedly delicious the state farm personal price plan helps you create an affordable price just for you contact local agent gary patterson for your personal price plan today game last night wasn't as much fun as that bumper. Carolina Falls 74 to 47 on the road 
in Tuscaloosa, Alabama leading scorer Mark Sears, 31 points on the board, six of eight from long range. You thought early, you know, maybe not let the leading scorer in the league just get wide open, but uh, that was that was not on the agenda. We'll get to that in a minute. David Cloninger, who's got a damn good looking beard, has been kind enough to join us on this uh, Wednesday morning. What's up, brother? Not too much, guys. Appreciate that. I'm trying to get a good winter coat on, you know, but they got some <laughs> filling in to do around here, trying to work on that. Uh, Phil, what do you just it doesn't it doesn't climb up the side. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think, Phil? You, you give uh, give old DC a grade here, a one to one to ten scale. Right, oh yeah, that's a solid seven eight right there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've, you know, passing grade. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. It's a I'm getting the you know the salt and pepper going on, right? So, isn't that what they call it, salt and pepper? Pretty much. I mean, I don't care what color it is, as long as it's still there every morning. No offense. <laughs> for it. No, no, it's none taken. None taken. It's, I've had plenty of plenty of time to get adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> DC, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, you uh, had a report out that the Gamecocks were headed to Texas, maybe to make a hire, and. You have good sources, uh, as you always do, and you're a good reporter, and you were on the money ahead of the game. So hat tip to you. Carolina is hiring James Coley to Shane Beamer's coaching staff. Fill us in. Uh, yeah, so James Coley uh, was the guy they talked to. I understand they did talk to maybe a couple of others out there, and, of course, there was a lot of speculation about who. I would have cleared that up, but I didn't actually know. I was just told they're talking to these people for potentially these positions. So, that being said, James Coley is coming on staff. Uh, he was the tight ends coach under Jimbo at Texas A&M, and obviously, as we have seen this morning, my, my boy CeeLo, like me, from Rock Hill, South Carolina, just reported that it's a done deal. Jody Wright will become the next head coach at Murray State. And he was the tight ends coach um, here. That being said, don't assume that this is a zero-sum transaction. Oh, South Carolina needed a tight ends coach because one's leaving and they're getting the guy who coached tight ends. That may happen, but at least at this point, I don't know that it will. James Coley will be on staff in some position, an official on the field position, but it may not be as tight ends coach. So we'll see how it goes. There's still some adjustment that could be happening here. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Obviously, there, there's been a couple of names out there for running backs coach, continuing to track those. Uh, and, and hopefully these things will be wrapped up within the next couple of days. Um, they wanted to wait till after the coaching convention was done. That's where uh, Jody uh, interviewed for the Murray State job. So that's done now. It's wrapped up. And we'll see what's happening here because now – we're kind of back in the swing of things. Uh, workouts are happening with the players. Most everybody is here. I think there may be a couple of guys who aren't here yet player-wise, but they should be making everything official within the next couple of days. All right, so James Coley has, on the offensive side of the football in, in his career, he has coached tight ends, uh, he has coached quarterbacks, and he has coached uh, wide receivers. He has not coached the offensive line, and he has not coached the running back should should anybody read anything into that or no? Uh, I mean, again, read what you want, but again, and it could be that it's just a simple, hey, you know, uh, you need a you, you had an opening, you made a hire, but I really don't think it will be. I don't think it's a zero sum switch in that. So again, a lot of things that could still happen, but there's still some adjustment to make. 
Um, but I would not assume that he would coach running backs in, in any case. Uh, that's something that he hadn't done, and he's probably not, not going to do it here. There's no probably to that statement. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but then again, there are a, a couple of other moves to make, uh, could be made. And then as for the rest of the staff, that should be the end of it. Uh, in, in terms of staff changes. Now, of course, anything can still happen. You guys know one guy makes a hire at uh, Wasamata U and another domino tips over. We'll see. But right now, I anticipate after this little flurry of movement, the coach and staff to be intact. All right. Sticking on the topic of Coley, then I want to get to Jody Wright, and then we'll get to the running backs, and then we'll get to basketball. We'll try to try to follow that model as best we can here. Um I mentioned this in our in our opening segment here, and 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 totally understand why uh, fans of this football program would feel this way. A little bit of a PTSD. When Will Muschamp was hired at South Carolina, he he put an ace recruiting staff together. DC, as you well know, you covered it. A uh, bunch of dudes who signed a bunch of dudes over the years, and this cat has done the same. Forty four, to be exact. If you go by the star system, forty four players, including eight five stars, he signed over the year. Uh, 36 four-stars, uh, so 44 four-stars are better. Again, if you're a star system guy or gal, and that's how you judge things uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Um, but again, uh, we also have seen the ace recruiter walk in the door at South Carolina and not have as much success with that Gamecock logo as they do with that A or that <laughs> or whatever it may be. Uh, how, how would you – how would you – what would you make of that when I make a comment like that? I mean, Shane does a lot of due diligence with his hires. He he does not fall in line. We know that. He hires who he thinks is best, period, the end, uh, regardless of whether anybody out there likes it or knows who they are or whatever the case is. This is a little bit different. A lot of people know who James Coley is, and he's been in a lot of elite programs, signing a lot of elite players. How do you think that fits in here? Well, obviously, having a strong recruiting background is a prerequisite for the job. You have to have that to really go to any coaching staff, but you got to have it here. We've all seen Shane Beamer's strength as a recruiter. Uh, just look at the, the players that he's able to get, not only as high school seniors, but in, out of the transfer portal. You know, a lot of guys, Shane knows what to say because he truly believes uh, and what this program has to offer. And there are a lot of kids that like to hear that. And they are signing on to be part of that vision. Uh, I think where James Coley specifically really helps strengthen is because, I mean, everybody has to do this in the new world of NIO. And not only that you can have to recruit, but you have to re-recruit your room every year. Coming from Texas A&M to where very strong NIL presence, I think I can say that without getting in trouble or casting any shade on anybody, right? He's familiar with it. He's familiar with what it takes. And, you know, not that guys currently here on staff aren't, but it's just a different system out at A&M because there it was so easy, you know. Kid comes in and says, Coach, I need some of this. Yeah, all right, let me call uh, my, my friend here, Mr. Oil Man, and he'll be able to help you out, no problem. Here, you, you probably going to have to, to uh, hunt a little more. You're going to have to search a little more. But that is on the way up. So you have somebody who's kind of been in that world and already a strong recruiter on top of it. You bring him in. That's nothing but a plus. Nothing but a plus. So it's good a uh, good thing to have. And nothing against Jody Wright. He did a fine job with the tight ends. Just look at the production from that uh, position over the past couple of years. But you get to go be a head coach. Yeah, you're going to go do it, and you just wish him luck and say, uh, hey, Murray State, I mean, I'm sure Shane's still got some connections up there from when his dad was coaching at Murray, so hopefully he gets up there and, uh, you know, does a great job. 
Yeah, on the Jody Wright front, uh, oftentimes when you see a guy leave a program like this and go to a program like Murray State, uh, they're able to hire guys who are ready to step on the field and be on-field coaches. Have you dug into that at all? Is there anybody that is on South Carolina's staff maybe is looking to, to, to take the next step that maybe be, may be going with you? Oh, well, I know that there would be, um, you know, some that would probably be interested or that Jody would be interested in adding. Uh, but the fact is, with those, it's going to be an assistant kind of a job. You do look if there's a case of, well, I need an OC and I need a new DC. I don't think that the current coordinators in place at South Carolina would would take a step down and, and go to Murray to do that. But there could be a couple of the other assistant coaches that might, that you feel would be ready to take that jump. So maybe that could be a consideration somewhere, but then you have to look at those assistant coaches and say, yes, you could go be a coordinator at Murray, but there's a lot of things that enter that when you're not already a coordinator. One, do you want to leave a power five conference? Two, is it worth it? If you're a family man, do you have the finances to be able to do that? I mean, for instance, uh, there was one coordinator here who was pro, uh, at least contacted to be a head coach at a small school during this offseason. But the pay increase, it would have been about a five hundred grand at least pay cut. So it's eh, – I can't really do that, you know, even though that you could go be a head coach. So it's a case of, you know, everybody has different priorities. And if you are a family man, which all of these coaches are – I believe I'm right on that. You know, all of them, all of them got kids. So you gotta, you got to look at that. You got to look at the atmosphere and that kind of thing. So there could be a few guys. I know that Jody is, is close friends with a couple of guys on staff and would say, would say, you know, maybe just talking around on the recruiting trail or late at night on a road trip, man, if I ever get a head job, you're coming with me, but yeah. it's gotta be able to work on both sides. So I have not heard of any definite moves to make that said in terms of anybody leaving to go to Murray state or somewhere else, I would not be surprised if at least one more is gone before this is all said and done. Said and done. So DC, go, let's go back to um, 20, well, basically 2021. Uh, since then, uh, Jimmy Lindsay, Mike Peterson, Eric Kimry, Satterfield, now uh, Jody Wright, uh, he's made the change. We'll get to the running back spot in a minute, but, so there, there's been a bunch of coaches who have uh, who've departed the program for one reason or another. It, it, is that just the world we live in now? Sure. Or, I mean, yeah. the, the fact is, I, th- I think we all know about the, the Marcus Satterfield situation. It's good that he got another job because it was going to be real ticklish for him to return if he did not. Eric Kimry was a case of he loved being here. This is his dream job. He's a Columbia guy. But as you know, said, he didn't like having to re-recruit his room every year. And that's, that's tough to do. That's why a lot of college coaches are getting out of the business entirely. Just like, I just don't want to deal with that. And I get it. That has nothing to do with coaching your kids or, or making the better players. That's all just, you know, if you want to be an agent, go be an agent. But that doesn't mean you got to be a college football coach at the same time. So, and, you know, Kimry, of course, had the, uh, the, the resume as a fantastic high school coach to fall back on. And when he got an opportunity of a lifetime to go work for his close friend and be a, a high school coach again, that made all the sense in the world. So, you know, he left. And, of course, uh, you mentioned Jimmy Lindsay. He got an upgrade for a job. Unfortunately, it did not work out for him. He had some medical issues. And, obviously, now uh, he's not employed at LSU anymore. And Mike Peterson, uh, was it Bear Bryant who said, when Mama called, you got to go home? 
Yeah. Florida guy got a Florida job. You, know, you can't blame the guy for that. So there's always different reasons. Um, obviously, uh, during Shane Beamer's tenure here, he's only fired one guy, uh, which was Mo Hardesty. So there's different reasons for everything. Uh, and, you know, you just have to kind of get through that. Again, you may think that you got everything all set up and then another domino uh, falls over. I mean, we all remember the case of Brian Van Gorder. Oh. Way back when under Steve <laughs> Ah, this guy's going to be great. He's got an NFL mind. He's terrific, and he's awesome. He's a defensive coordinator. He was here, what, three weeks? <laughs> was it that long? And was then it's like, hey, but the Atlanta Falcons called, like, oh, right. And, of course, Spurrier being Spurrier. Ah, well, I just wouldn't hire the guy I should have hired in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, why didn't you? <laughs> it's, it's a crazy business. It, it really is, and you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, that just kind of goes in with the game, guys, because – as much as we've all been looking at every update for the past month or since the Clemson game, who's in the transfer portal, who's out of the transfer portal, who's committed to come to South Carolina. Hmm. That's great for four months because you guys know as well as I do, looking at the calendar, as soon as the spring game's over, the transfer portal window opens again. So there'll be another 15 days starting on April 16th. Like, Okay, the spring roster. Now who's here and who's not going to be there? So always going to be a case of, or really it's going to be this case for the near future. You're just going to have to wait until the first day of preseason camp to really see who's here and who isn't. And, of course, things can always change in the first week there. That's why Caron Prunty was supposed to be starting in the defensive backfield for South Carolina, and then right, right. all of a sudden wasn't. Yeah, all of a sudden he was gone. Uh, it's 11.37 inside the Gamecocks, the show. David Cloninger here with the Post and Courier. All right, so the, the the running back, theoretically, or on paper, the running back uh, coaching position is open. Yes. And somebody has to coach the running backs. They are going yes. to hire a running backs coach, is my understanding of all this. And there, there's there's one front runner in that search. I'm, I'm sure you guys know about it. I believe I've seen it on the Big Spur as well. So there's two definite names for that, and one's probably the front runner at present. I expect that to be done rather quickly. Yeah, look, the the, the two names. Matter of fact, 20, 30 minutes ago, right after we came on the air, somebody somebody texted me and said, "Have you heard anything on Jimmy Smith from Arkansas?" And I I, I have not heard anything on Jimmy Smith in a while. Uh, Newland Isaac, a name that has come up. Both of these guys are Palmetto State residents uh, mm-hmm. or Palmetto State born. Natives. I should say. Natives, yeah. there you go. Native resident, whatever. Um, come on, Jamie. Uh, Newland Isaac from Hopkins, which is basically Columbia. And then uh, Jimmy is out of Darlington. Um, but those are the two names. And I'm not asking you to blow your cover or anything here. Those are the two names that have come up the most uh, in this search. DC, my understanding is it's probably not going to get outside of either one of those two. Right. Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. So uh, there's a definite front runner there or at least the times of like this can work right now. They just got to pull the trigger on it. So, yeah, I'll say this. I mean, obviously, with both those guys being in state, uh, you know, I try to prepare as best I can. It's the old Eagle Scout in me. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've got a story ready to go. This just mm. got to be finalized. <laughs> and in fact, I hit my boss up two days ago, said, hey, this is happening. Do you want it? Yeah, it's ready. Just. He's like, well, you know, why don't we run it? Not official. <laughs> the line has got to be signed before I put it up there. You know, that's that's how I operate. So, right, yeah, and I and again, you're you mentioned this earlier. Just to circle back on it one more time, your expectations, DC, are this is all going to probably be done relatively soon. Yes, 
I mean, just because you do have the kids back on campus now, they are working out. Of course, you can't do like individual instruction with them, but they want to know who they're going to be uh, coached by. You know, once spring practice rolls around and that kind of thing, you want to go and start building that relationship. And of course, you're always recruiting. You're always trying to do something. So the sooner those guys get here, you have the big staff meeting and say, all right, here's our vision and that kind of thing. The sooner you can really move forward. I mean, you don't want to have to be plugging and filling holes all throughout, but that's just the nature of the game now. I mean, a lot of people were asking me, why wasn't this done during December? They weren't going to a bowl, you know, and like they had to get a roster, you know, I mean, it, it don't do you any good to hire a tight ends coach when you might not have any tight ends, you see? So you had to build the roster first before you could worry about this. And, of course, there is also the case, if you do it now, they might have another job opening up because the bowl system had to play out. The coaches' convention had to play out. But that's all over now. So things are starting to calm down, and you say, all right, here's what I wanted to do. And, again, don't think that Shane Beamer was just sitting idly by either. He had the list of moves that he knew he wanted to make. It's like, well, is that move going to be there to be made after I have my team ready? So, Yeah, I think that's some of the misperception, too, from the fan base, especially the, the, you know, God love them, the message board crowd, is that (laughs) if they're not seeing anything, the assumption is nothing's being done. (laughs) And, of course, you, you have a bad season. And, you know, you, you saw some glaring problems like, well, you know, some should be happening. But I think I said it on the show then, guys, you don't fire just for the sake of firing. And if, if this was Georgia or A&M or anywhere that, you know, really had a lot of championship pedigrees or just played in some big bowl games, maybe it'd be different. But the fact mm-hmm. is, is that this is South Carolina. And no matter who you might want as a coach, they got to want to come here, too. And sometimes that's possible. Sometimes it isn't, but it also has to make sense. So it's, you don't fire just for the sake of firing unless there's just like, okay, that's got to change. But were there some upgrades that they could have made? Maybe in the eyes of fans, I'm sure they would have been seen as upgrades, but maybe it wasn't to the guys already on staff. Maybe it wasn't to the players that you're going to have to coach. So everything has to fit into that puzzle. And when you're running an organization this big, it's never going to be an easily fitting jigsaw. You know, there's sometimes right. those tough places, pieces that just hammer in there, make sure they fit. So it's tough to do. It's it's an extremely tough job to do. And I've told Shane Beamer this several times, like, man, I like you, but I don't envy what you have to do every day. I mean, it's just so much. And, of course, I'm not meaning to, to make a comparison or anything, but Will Muschamp always had the best view of being a head coach. As Bill Parcells told him, you know, those big shoots they put on top of a renovated building and you throw all the garbage in there and it ends up in in a dumpster. Yeah, that shoots right above your desk. It all (laughs) piles there. You got to deal with it. So, and then of course, you add NIL to that and the transfer portal. Like, oh, goodness. Um, It's tough, man. It's tough. And that's another reason why they get paid the way they do. Well, it's it's exactly right. It's not to get off on the tangent here, but to kind of back that up. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to Shane last summer, and he mentioned to me, uh, and this he was down here in the Low Country, and he said, "If my phone rings in my pocket right now, this was July." He said, "If my phone rings in my pocket right now, I'm almost scared to look at it because you just don't ever know anymore. It's never somebody just calling to say, "How you doing, man?" 
it's I'm leaving or, I'm, you know, like something bad and it's something I'm going to have to stop and deal with, which is crazy. But um, that's the world we live in. All right, uh, D.C., workouts are underway, winter workouts, as uh, our buddy John Strickland told us last Friday. Those aren't fun, uh, but they're going for it, through it for the next few weeks, and then we'll see where, where the football program is after that. They have had a nice portal haul, and uh, most of those guys are here. So uh, good, good for them on that front. In, including um, including Brady Hunt, who was here and then he wasn't going to be here, but now he's here. Like again, I'll wait till practice starts and I'll just start checking off names. Yeah, right. Interesting, <laughs> interesting story there, no doubt. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, last night uh, South Carolina. All right, so they they get whipped. They got their ass beat. Is what happened on the road. But DC, I, I'll see if you agree with this. In the first half, about. I don't even know if it was all the way 10 minutes into the game. Gamecocks were playing well. They'd hit three of their first four, I think, from beyond the arc. They turned Alabama over five of their first six possessions or something ridiculous. Um, and uh, But then they started to go a little cold, and it was about 13 to 8. Probably should have been about 20 or 21 to 8. And and you felt – I felt in that moment like, mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. you know, it, it, this is – you got to do something with it, whether it's getting the ball down low and drawing some fouls and just continuing to build and just suck the energy out of this place. But what they did was they continued to miss open shots and you can't beat Alabama by missing a bunch of open shots. And that left the door open and the tide had enough momentum going into halftime to blow the doors off this thing when they opened it up from there. Anyways, that was my synopsis, the whole ordeal. Somebody asked me this morning, wife, I mean, what do you think happened? I said, I know exactly what happened. They didn't hit shots. We talked for the last two days. You can't go there and beat them unless you hit shots. I think that's the only line that you really can go to when you evaluate last night's ball game. Pretty much, Jamie. I mean, I've watched a lot of basketball over the past 40 years, and I can tell you, you go 1-17 in a stretch, you're not going to win. It's that no. simple. Not and on the road so- either. Oh, yeah. And, you know, after that hot start where the biggest thing was six Alabama turnovers became 10 South Carolina points. That was the biggest thing. You're up 13-6. Everything's feeling good. Bama starts coming back because they're a good team. I know that they were 9-5 and five coming into last night, but they played a lot of good teams. They they challenged themselves in this non-conference schedule. And, obviously, they had Mark Sears, the, the leading scorer in the conference at their disposal. They started coming back, making it a game, but South Carolina still kept finding tough buckets. They still managed to maintain that two-point lead, maybe a three-point lead. It's like, okay, you know, just get it to halftime, make some adjustments, and you'll get to where I love to win games. Just get that final media timeout. Get that final four minutes within a bucket, you'll find a way. You want to call it stealing one, whatever. You're just going to win the game. Well, uh, South Carolina took a 27-25 lead with about three minutes to go for halftime. Mm-hmm. And that's when that stretch started, one of 17. And you know what happens? It happens where you just can't hit shots. Now, we're, we're, here's where it comes into how South Carolina has to play. This is a team that we've known all year is going to shoot to three. That's what they're good at. The offense is specifically designed to get open looks from three. They had open looks. They yeah. didn't knock them down. You say, well, another team's in the midst of a run and you're not hitting long range shots. You got to take it inside. You got to get fouled. Okay. Yeah, I agree. But as we've also known since the beginning, this team is not built to have an interior presence. It just doesn't. They're two true centers, Josh Gray and Benjamin Bozeman's Verdant. They don't start. 
You know, they don't play a lot. They play in spurts, and that's great, but they're not the guys that you give the ball to and say, go get it done. Can right. B.J. Mack do that? Can. But even at Wofford, he was not a classic back-to-the-basket post guy. He can do that, but a lot of times when he gets there, you can see it coming. He gets there and he's like, I'm going to post this guy up. And it takes two power dribbles. Okay, but if you're going to do that, you got to start being a little more quicker. you got to say one dribble, turn around and go. Or you say, give me the ball, and then I'll turn around and go. you got to catch him off guard. He's getting really predictable, and don't think that opposing teams aren't seeing that on film. So that took another option out of, okay, I mean, who's going to get to the free throw line? That's why they – how many free throws they shoot last night? Eight? Something like that. Uh, yeah, eight or nine. It is. But that's, that's just how this team is constructed. They don't have a real inside game, you know. So that was going to happen. And when you know you do one thing really well, and you're not doing that one thing really well, you're not going to play really well. That's what happened. Now, a lot of people are like, well, that's, that's Alabama, man. That's a tough place to play. South Carolina never plays well there. I'm like, not to be a jerk here, but you could hang a dart, a dartboard of all the SEC gyms somewhere and throw a dart. You're going to hit a gym where South Carolina doesn't play very well. That's just the history of it, outside of maybe Stegman Coliseum. Stegman, I was going to say. <laughs> but that's, that's just the way it is. So, now, having been in Alabama, yeah, it's like an airplane hangar. They got that striped roof. The noise just stays there. It's tough. It's very, very tough. But I don't think they lost it because of the atmosphere. They lost because they couldn't make shots. Couldn't so, shoot. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but you just say, hey, you watch it once, then you burn it, and say so you go on, you got another tough road game. Uh, coming up Saturday at Missouri, which ugh, that place is, is also a house of horrors for the men and the women. Mm-hmm. You know, at least when it comes to South Carolina basketball as a whole, it's like, well, you know, Don's team will go win there. Yeah, well, <laughs> even they've had their struggles at Mizzou Arena. So, tough place to play. Uh, Missouri's a, a team that's kind of like Alabama, been struggling through this early season. Um, and they've got some guys that, you know, maybe not play as fast as Alabama do but they can get you inside where, as we've discussed, South Carolina doesn't have a lot of answers that uh, Connor Van Diver that they have, let's see, seven foot four. Uh, Yep. Yeah. He pretty much gets out there and I'm like, good God, that boy looks like a weather vane with a headband on, but he can play and it's, well, you know, what do you do? So you just have to find a way to get past that. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's disappointing. It's discouraging, but it's one game, just like Mississippi state was one game. And it's why, you never want to call any game a must-win on an 18-game schedule, but I looked at that Mississippi State game and I said, really got to get that one because these next two on the road don't look good. Well, they got that one. So you hope that for any two-game road road swing, you, you split, but you just got to go out there and do it. So, um, of course, you know, it, it is discouraging, and I, I realize a lot of folks, whether they're just talking just to talk or they believe it, well, there it is. That's the other shoe dropping. There it comes. I'm like, too early to say. Mm. I mean, they, they earned the benefit of the doubt by the way they played the non-con season. You just got to go out there. You got to hit shots. And that's the, the – it was always the trap door underneath uh, this offensive scheme. If you're going to depend on the three, not just shoot a lot of them, but depend on making them, there's going to be nights where you don't hit them. It's a low-percentage shot by very nature. So. Right. That's what happened. It happened. You flush it, you move on, 
and hopefully they get their feet back under them and, and come out and play hard against Missouri. Because it's now a game. It's like, no, it's not must win, but you really could use one right here. Yeah, there's no doubt. And then you, you come home and you got a, a, a very, a very good Georgia team coming to town, but you haven't lost yet in Colonial Life Arena this year. And you win your games at home, you steal a couple on the road, DC. You'll be fine. You, you, you'll be fine. That's okay. Um, you'll, you'll make it into the tournament. Uh, I can tell you that with what they've done thus far. You know, they run out there and win. Uh, they've got nine games at home. You find a way to, if you can, if you can get six or seven of them and you steal three on the road or something like that, you're, you're probably going to be in the NCAA tournament just sure. because there's no bad teams in this. And don't lose to Vanderbilt. Don't lose right. to Vanderbilt. Vandy um, is not not great this year. It's no. uh, it's pretty bad bad up there. Which is it's strange, man, because they've they've had such a bad run, um, you know, with the men's teams that they should be better than they are. Now they're really bad, and yet their women's team is fantastic. And nobody saw that coming, but they're really really good up there. That's a uh, Shay Ralph, former UConn uh, women's assistant, that's in as head coach there, and she's doing a great job. Well, next time you talk to Lamont, you pass this stat along in case he's not aware. Um, th- this is just for uh, prepar- in preparation of the Alabama game in 2025. Uh, but the last two years, the best play to the tune of 47% of the points the entire team has scored against you, Brandon Miller and Mark Sears, they have 72 combined points in the last two games on 24 of 38 shooting and 12 of 21 from long range. Oh my God. Like yeah. that's the best player. Don't let him beat you. I don't know who that's going to be for them next year, but whoever it is. Um, at this point, Jamie, I, I think that of course that was game planned, but the way the guy was hitting him last night and Brandon Miller last year, I think the deep, best defensive plan, if you really were serious, is like, well, somebody go out there and smack him with a two-by-four because he's starting to get on my nerves. You know, you just go out and goon it up, you know. Yeah. But there was one shot in the first half to where I thought this is not trending well. The one on the baseline. Yeah, yeah Miles Studi couldn't have defended that any better. None. No, no. He couldn't have defended it any better. And the guy had one – he was flying out of bounds and threw it up and it went in. I thought, hmm. It reminded me of, um, I mean, at least he looked at the basket before he let it go. It's like the 2015 Women's Final Four when USC lost to Notre Dame on a putback. I will swear to you on a stack of Bibles, that girl never looked at the basket before she threw it up. Just (laughs) throw it up, and it went. I'm like, oh, (laughs) you're going to lose on that. That's how things work around here, man. You know man, that. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling <laughs> it is. Been doing this for a while. Yeah, of course, yeah. people are like, oh, man, they wouldn't have beat UConn the title game anyway. I'm like, eh, maybe. Would have been nice to have a shot, though. Yep. You know. We'll get you out of here on this one, DC. Do want to? We're starting to creep our way into more of the baseball conversation. Uh, Carolina is uh, set to get going here in the spring, and a lot of people cannot wait. I. They were 23-2 and two to begin the year last year, as we all well remember, and then were bit by the injury bug but rebounded to have a really good year. Fell just short of getting to Omaha uh, down in Gainesville, Florida. But um, uh, it, it certainly looks like – I was talking to Mark uh, not long ago. They can hit, there's no doubt. And they, they feel like they've got enough arms. They've got to figure out their roles. But uh, have you heard anything here? Is they're set to go from an injury standpoint? The guys being on campus, just in general, how they're feeling – 
about themselves as the, the season is now just, I think, 37 days away. Yeah. Well, there's always going to be optimism, uh, Jamie. That's just the, the, the trend of having a new year. But they know that they um, – had they maybe just won one more game. And, again, there were reasons because the pitching was so beat up because of injuries. You win one more game in that bad May that they had, they're probably hosting a Super, and you're not playing Florida. And that probably would have been enough to get you to Omaha. Well, that didn't happen. Could have, would have, should have. But you know you've got the offense this year. That's a great thing to have. It's kind of the opposite of last year where you knew you had pitching, but the offense had to come around. So – that worked out very well. Pitching's a different animal, but you do have a lot of options. You're just going to have to go out there and see. So everybody's very confident. They like what they have. Um, and I guess the advantage, especially playing the Miami of Ohio's, the Belmonts early, you can go to your pitching staff and say, look, man, just let it rip out there. Don't try to fine tune it. We'll do that later in the year. Go out there and do it because we're going to pick you up. Don't worry about it. We're going to pick you up. And you can even set some kind of, you know, high number. Just say, just keep it under six runs. Don't worry. We'll get you six. That's hard to do. But I think that they've got the capability of doing it. I mean, if I'm the pitcher, I'm looking at Messina, Petri, Kennedy Jones in a row. I mean, what what do you do? It's it's one of those where it's like just try not to have anybody on base when he hits one out. That's (laughs) – You know, so you just hope it stands, Pat, you know, through these uh, first, I guess it's two to three weeks of preseason work. Uh, You start to get a lineup figured out, which they mostly have. Uh, As you saw, uh, guys saw John Whittle reported LT Tolbert is back in town, student Mm -hmm. assistant and going to be the first base coach. So, yeah, everybody's ready for it. And uh, you're kind of just hoping that it melds with – what the best time of year is around here, the best time it, it possibly can be. You've got two really good basketball teams playing while the baseball team plays too. And yeah. don't forget Beth Smith's softball team. They've That's got right. Great yeah. pitchers yeah. in this year that are going to take the place of Donnie Goborn, if anybody can, and really have a – I think they're going to have a tremendous year. So good to have, good to have spring sports. I'm just hoping that they've figured out a way to improve the warmth over there at Founders because – some of these early February games, man, when you're not in the sun and they crack up the press box window, it's like sitting on an ice cube up in there, man. Whew. You know exactly silly. how it works. The <laughs> opening day is February 16th. February 12th, it's going to be about 75 degrees and mm-hmm. sunny. February 16th, a high of 41, cloudy with a chance of rain, and and then we'll deal with that until April. Yeah, there's been a couple times I've been up there in leather jacket, long johns, got a scarf wrapped around my head, like yeah. boys of summer, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it can be right. tough, but we're all looking forward to it, man, because those those bleed into those beautiful March and April and May days. Yeah. And not a lot of better places to be than Founders Park on one of those days with a winning baseball team. Boy, you got that right. Could be a fun spring in Columbia, basketball, baseball, softball, men's tennis. There's a lot of good things going on right now. And a uh, new track and field coach in the whole nine yards. So we'll put that uh, the warrant thing. Uh, the Who controls it? Coach Tanner controls the weather, right? We can blame him for that too, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much that's, everything. That's so to make sure. If, if, if you know your popcorn bucket ain't filled to the brim, you need to write him a nasty email or get on That's Twitter. Right. It. That'll solve it. That's exactly right. Great <laughs> coach, Tanner, man. DC will let you run. Uh, the ladies tomorrow night tip off at 8 o'clock Eastern up in Columbia, Missouri. Missouri 9-6, and 0-2 in the league. As you mentioned, it's been a tough place to play, but uh, 
that should be in the back of the minds of this basketball program. I think Dawn got their attention, even though they whipped them last weekend. She wasn't happy. Oh, yeah. So, and okay. it was one of those to where I thought, I hope that she doesn't say in the post game, I was like, oh, well, you know, because I, I had already written that as a first draft. Like, they won the game by 19, and that's something when you play as badly as they did. But credit to them, they was like, this, no, this is, this is not good. They yeah. did not play well that game. And I, I think that the attention has been addressed, especially going tomorrow, because this goes into a story I'm writing for tomorrow, not to scoop myself, but yeah, two, two arenas in this league where Don Staley has a losing record. Guess which one is one of them? Wow, that's mm. crazy. So wait, yeah. Columbia, Missouri, and then hold on. You'll get it. Just think. Is it? It's gonna be Tennessee or yes, Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. And there, so she's four and six lifetime at Thompson Bowling Arena, Tennessee. But since they won their first one in 2012, they're four and three since okay. then. Four and six overall, but four and three the last seven times. So if you take that as a handicap, Missouri Arena, man, two and four. Oh. oh. She's been here 16 years. She's been ejected from two games. And guess where one of them was? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Don, man. You don't know it's, how to pull you. It's a long trip. It's a cold trip. And, man, them fans out there, they get after you now. That's yeah. a great atmosphere for a basketball game. I mean, it is tremendous. And, uh, of course, you know, a lot of times out there, the team had a lot to do with it. They were really good. Last time they went out there two years ago, that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. I was. I still get aggravated about that game. Like, you got to be kidding me. Now, of course, you guarantee the result. Missouri was one and done in the first round of the WNIT, and South Carolina took a big old trophy home from Minneapolis. Right. Okay, cool. You guarantee that. Go out there tomorrow and lose. See if I care. But Yeah, exactly. You can't guarantee that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you can't. And that game, I, hard to believe that was – God, that was two years ago. Yeah, that was the overtime game, right? Uh-huh. First game of the conference season. Yeah, at the end of the – And Missouri had seven available players. Seven. And their best, one player who was their leading scorer and rebounder, did not play. Just mind-boggling. Like, what Absolutely. in the hell? Well, Don, I'm sure she's thrilled we're bringing that up. She'll, they'll get them yeah. tomorrow night. And then that's the thing. We got a press conference later today where it's going to be brought up again, so I'm sure that – She's going to be giving me the stink eye, but that's not. <laughs> that's <laughs> DC, DC, we know you got. To, we know you've got us covered. We can't thank you enough. Excellent stuff as always. Good scoop, of, of course, on the uh, on the James Coley situation from a few days ago, and uh, we'll be monitoring over the next few days uh, to see when all this football uh, football staff stuff gets wrapped up as well. And uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of the week, my man. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. There you go. David Cloninger, he is excellent at what he does. The Post and Courier and all of us here in South Carolina are happy. A little bit over time. That's all. Oh, okay. Well, Matt Anderson's head. He's going to 1230, right, Bill? Okay. At 1230. And uh, he'll spend the rest of the show with us. Now we'll step aside and hit a quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. Plenty of Gamecock football, basketball, and more on the way here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Spinerama. 
Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. Endless summer, go Tiger. 
For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level, we use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. That's right, Billy Jean's Carolina Barbecue presents the National Anthem at noon every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back, JB and Phil. JC is on the road and headed to Columbia. Got some business to do, but uh, we'll get him back tomorrow and Friday as we end the work week here on ITG. We, of course, are built by the Barndo Co. as well, the barndominiumco.com where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas in Georgia or in Tennessee. By the way, CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com, like, if, do you do you keep your, are you like Phil and myself? Do you, do you keep the good stuff in the, in the cabinet at all times? Barbecue sauce, rubs, seasonings, all that stuff. If you go to CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com, they can send you the All-America pack. Get the sweet heat. You get the Carolina Gold, and you get the Secret Spice, which last night I put on some green beans to go with my baked potato, loaded, Phil, and my steak. And uh, so, anyways, we uh, we can't thank those guys enough. It's a it's a 
it's an easy thing to have shipped to your doorstep. It's totally worth it because the products are phenomenal. And if you've got, um, if you've got a, a party or if you've got anything that needs catering, you need a food truck, you need all that stuff, BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com is where you can go to book all of those things. And uh, there's a reason why they are consistently booked up because they're some of the best to do it. So thanks to Mr. Bill, former Gamecock basketball player, great Gamecock himself. Uh, appreciate them supporting everything that we do and most importantly supporting all of you here in South Carolina. All right, uh, again, Matt Anderson is ahead, ahead here in just a little bit, and um, we uh, look forward to getting him in to talk some basketball and, and those type things. Obviously, football today was some major – Major news that broke overnight. Matt Zenitz did it initially from 24-7 Sports that uh, James Coley is headed to Columbia, South Carolina to be on Shane Beamer's staff. If you're just tuning in here at 1212 on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, you maybe missed David Cloninger who cautioned that it might not be a straight swap, as in Jody Wright is off to Murray, Kentucky now to be their head coach. And he has been the head, the tight ends coach for the Gamecocks. Coley has been the co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach in College Station. And it doesn't just mean that because Wright is departing as tight ends coach that Coley will be that same in that same role here in Columbia. Um, read into that what you will. I mean, clearly, I mean, we hear, you know, plenty. So, but you got to, you know, you got to, you got to work hard to confirm a bunch of that stuff. So, you know, we're not really at bay to come out and say the rumors. I mean, I, I feel I, I, it drives me up the wall. Um, <laughs> people that can buy a microphone and a camera and, uh, dealing rumor mill stuff all day you know so we kind of try to wait till it's something real to discuss it but the carolina is set to hire a running backs coach uh, i think it's also again safe to say it would be beyond shocking to see it go anywhere other than uh, newland isaac the running backs coach at liberty or jimmy smith uh, from arkansas both are natives of palmetto state and if there is other movement on the staff it's would probably come fairly soon and, and all these things would start to tie themselves up here sooner than later. Um, now there's been nothing official from the university on the hiring of James Coley. Uh, again, that's going to have to be approved by the board of trustees or contract and all those type things. Usually we'll, we'll get an email uh, from the, from coach Fink, the PR department and the um, SID and all that type stuff. So probably going to have something on that. I would say relatively soon, and then they'll uh, they'll be able to meet and, and do all do all that type of stuff, get it official. But um, Carolina trying to get this uh, coaching staff firmed up as, as quickly as they can. They've got winter workouts going on. And, man, I tell you, Phil, it's just it, it, going back to a lot of the – a lot of the um, conversations we've had. So the season ended November 25th, unfortunately. Right. And so you're talking about – 41 days plus, I don't know what, so 46 days, 46 days. What's that? How many weeks is that? Seven weeks almost? Almost seven weeks? Almost seven full weeks. Mm -hmm. All right. And we have 
if if you're Coach Beamer, any coach, but we're specifically talking about Shane here, what has he dealt with for seven weeks? He's dealt with what to do with his staff. He's dealt with all the players jumping in the portal. He's dealt with recruiting players from the portal. He's dealt with signing the players that he recruited out of high school in JUCO. He's dealt with guys to replace the guys he recruited from the portal. I mean, it's, it, it, it is just like – and now they're in winter workouts, and you've spent six weeks – like they, they have no – they still – I mean, they know who they're going to be, but like not completely. I mean, it, it is just chaotic with what what's with what's going on with college football, and it's. I mean, it's look, it's kind of happening with college basketball too. I mean, it's just a smaller scale. There's not there's not a hundred players. Same thing with college baseball. Uh, they did back up at least like some of the draft stuff and things like that to help these guys be able to get things a little bit more ironed out. But I mean, you're holding your breath and you're and you're literally playing or. For six weeks, seven weeks, every move you make, it it changes the next move, right? So you you sign a kid, and then you let go of a coach, or you make a coaching decision that impacts that. Then you have to go sign a kid to replace that kid. Is it better to just sign the kids and wait till they can't get out of there, and then you let go of a coach? Is it better to let go of a coach or or another coach to take another job and? Not hire that until you – I mean, I don't know the answer to all this stuff. I, I no. really – I mean, I, I don't know how they do it. We sit here and cover it. Everybody's got an opinion on it. But I guarantee you, not one human that we know or anybody that's sitting here watching any of this, if they were thrown in Shane's seat today, all these opinions you have, those got the window real quick because it gets real. And uh, it, it is just it, it's just amazing at all of the challenges that continue to come up as they try to – Build rosters and all those type things, and and just just move forward. Yeah, I mean, and no surprise. I think um, I think you're going to see a lot of these position coaches and coordinators just you know, kind of like David said, just get sick of this in the off season. You know, having to recruit your entire room again, uh, having to recruit your entire you know side of the ball <laughs> to stay at your school. Um, and I, I, you know, if there, there's gotta be a greater work-life balance from a smaller school, just from just, just by going into it with the mentality of accepting the fact that, okay, if we have players that happen to pop and shine, they're probably out of here, but 90% of the other guys, they're going to stay. And at least you get to, you know, have that core, develop them up, uh, and then, you know, have them coming back for next year. Do the high school recruiting, you know, pull the the, the kids that you can that are close to the school or, you know, even in-state. Uh, maybe a legacy or two might have a few extra, you know, might have a star more than, than what you're currently getting. But I, it, it unless things change – and I expect they will, but nobody knows how fast that's going to go, right? Then I think you're going to see a lot of quality guys just get out from, especially power five coaching, period. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just move down. I mean, because you've got, I mean, think about it, because all that laundry list of the stuff that you just put out, if you were Shane Beamer, right, JB? You've got the holidays, 
right all through that you're a family man you know i mean you know you got to try to hold it together there and you know just even in in our own work lives how hard it is to sometimes kind of balance that with our own families i can only imagine what it's like adding in a travel schedule adding in a cell phone that you can't just say uh no, not right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to answer that call, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, if it's in your pocket, you got to grab it because you never know. You don't answer the call. Next thing you know, you've made somebody angry and, and, and you lose, you know, a good quality player who might not just be considering you, but might be on your roster. Right. <laughs> yep. I, I, and I agree. And, and that's kind of what it comes down to with some of these assistants, making sure you're hiring the right guy and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that's, you know, I think DC hinted to the fact that he believes that Newland Isaac is 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 pretty high up there to be the next running backs coach at South Carolina. I, um, it'll be interesting to see. Again, none of that you can't have the conversation completely because none of it's complete. But like, it'll be interesting to see with Jody gone, Montario gone. You're replacing two coaches as of now on the offensive side of the football comparing what you had to what you have up next, right? I mean, they're, they're coming off a five and seven season. So they have to improve. And did, did you improve? Like, are these changes improving your coaching staff? Yeah. Time will tell. I mean, I, you know, I don't really know the, the answer to that, but that helps ease a lot of what we just discussed because, not necessarily ease it. Um, what would the word be? It helps. It helps mitigate some because when you have really good assistant coaches, you're not having to clean up for them consistently. It relieves a little bit of that. Not a ton because you're still the head coach, but you know, Newland Isaac is like you're talking about two coaches. If he ends up being the running backs coach here, it might still be Jimmy. I don't know. I really don't know, and I don't even want to say it like that. It might still be. It might be Jimmy. We know what we're getting in Jimmy Smith if he comes to South Carolina. You know what's coming. You know what you're getting. Uh, if it ends up being a guy like Newland Isaac, who would be, quote, new to the SEC, and then a guy like James Coley, who is a guy who's now been around this league for, what, eight years or so, and how that meshes onto this staff, it would be really, really interested to see. from Because we talk about development versus recruiting all the time. And it's hard. Like, there are some coaches, and I almost felt this way. Like, when Shane, remember when Shane got hired, Phil? And a lot of what we heard was actually, if you really think about it, pretty similar to what Coach Muschamp said when he got hired, which was, we, we've got to be able to recruit. We're going to hire a bunch of guys who can go recruit, right? Did you hear that when Steve Spurrier got hired at South Carolina? Because I didn't. No, no. There's two factors there, though. You got, you know, you, you. It was a different day and age at that point, you know. Right. And then you've got, uh, you know, a guy who was confident enough in his coordinating and scheme abilities to be like, well, we'll just put the guy out there we got, and uh, if he doesn't work, we'll try somebody else. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, next man up, you know, but you can't, but even then it was like, you can't do that in this day and age just because it was like, you, you know, 
I don't know. It, you know, okay, okay. It's similar to like the Frank Martin talk last year, or or you know the Frank Martin talk that we were having yesterday when he came up. You know, Frank would just you know, regardless of whether or not you needed him in a game or something, you know, early on in the conference season, just to prove a point, would sit somebody. You do that in today's current climate, you may very well lose them. Period. I mean, just like that. Oh, I'm hurt. And next thing you know, they're they're indefinitely hurt and not communicating. And the portal opens and poof, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And somebody that you were counting on. But there's a fine line right now between, you know, having to manage a, a, a player's ego and, you know, being able to maintain your roster. Uh, yeah. But. You know, it's just, and it's, it's an unenviable position and I, you know what? Yeah. I know they make a bunch of money and I know they sign up for it and I know, you know, all of this, I get it. But at the same time, I mean, that was, and that's, you know, kind of proving my point is like, there's a balance there, you know? Okay. Let's say you make $2 million a year, hypothetically. And then you're like, okay, well, I can reduce my salary by three quarters, but I can reduce my stress by half. I'm taking that deal all day, all day. I'm I'm old. I'm too damn old, especially if you've made the money <laughs> at this point. Yeah, and I'm I'm yeah. I've matured into such a fashion that you know I I enjoy having some comfortable time in life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they don't take the call or or anything like that, but if there is a consideration to be made to where I personally could be spend, you know, more time with my family for a fraction less money, I'm taking it. Right. Right. And I, Brent, I think you're missing the point here, man. Um, he says Spurrier was a nationally known coaching legend when he was hired. Cannot compare to champ. Uh, no, no, you, you're totally missing the point. Of what I was, first of all, I'm talking about the guys that they were bringing on their staff. Okay. Now these are different eras as well. All right. Number number one, out, outside of the 07 class, Steve Spurrier didn't run in here and sign top five classes, top ten classes. Y'all realize that, right? Well, you know, Will, Will Muschamp out-recruited Steve Spurrier. All right? Well, Shane Beamer has out-recruited Steve Spurrier. Okay? He, wh- what I'm getting at was he had coaches on his staff. He brought in coaches who were developers. That's the way that he thought. We're going to develop guys. Not all of them worked out like that. Okay, he had to make some changes here and there and things of that nature. But he he brought GA. I know GA very well, very well. Uh, You know, there was a lot of guys that he brought in to develop football players. And 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 that's that's what I'm getting at here. A lot of because recruiting has become the lifeblood of college football and and the access to players and the the movement of players has become so prevalent. You can just get in the portal. You can go do whatever you want to do, right? Like we're seeing, we're learning a lot. We've seen shifts and now we're learning a lot of things about how you actually build football programs. Look what just happened in the national championship. Did you see a bunch of transfers out there starting for both those teams? Because Michael Penix was, but how many of the other ones were? How many were in Michigan? And go look at the go look at the recruiting rankings and the transfer portal rankings of both of those teams. They ain't very good. I mean, Michigan's are fine, but like they're not number one, two, and three like Texas, Alabama, Georgia is every single year, right? So, going back to what I was saying is that a lot of these coaches are learning. Yes, you've got to be able to recruit, but 
boy, do you have to be able to develop? You just do. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I don't know what the magic formula is, and I think that's what a lot of these guys are figuring out. Like, if you are at Georgia and all you do is sign four and five stars every single year, and you lose a four or five star to the portal, then you plug in the next four or five star. But that's not the case at South Carolina, and that's not the case at Mississippi State, and that's not the case at Kentucky. That's not the case at Florida right now, although they've recruited well. That's not the case at, I don't know, name somebody else, Phil. Who's another blue-collar program? I mean, that's not the case at Missouri. Yeah. While all these guys sign great players, so do the Gamecocks. When you lose a great player to the portal, these are not the programs that are plug-and-play the next great player, and it's not always just that easy to go pay for them out of the transfer portal. So when you're hiring coaches, and as you just said, uh, Titan, development has taken a back seat because of the transfer portal is now plug-and-play. That 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 is true to a point, but there's not enough data, and every program is having to do this differently, and you're having to learn on the job as a head coach to figure out who is best that you're going to hire next. Like, I mean, ideally, you hire somebody who's an elite recruiter and who's an elite developer. But this is not NCAA 2024 or 2014 or whatever freaking version of the game you play. You can't just go in there and create them. That's not how it works. It's human life. All right. So, you know, you, you, Lance Thompson was a guy who you would hire at a blue collar program because, boy, he could get kids there. And he's let them go play. And then after two years, Lance would go on to the next program and he'd get a bunch of kids in. And guess what he did? He went on to the next program and then get kids and then go. You know, so like, then there are these guys who are who are talent developers. I know a lot of people don't. They want to bash on Justin Step. He's a talent developer, <laughs> right? <laughs> Look at the last couple of years. I mean, like he can develop guys. Now, but can is any is he an ace or elite recruiter? I don't know that I would call him an ace or elite recruiter. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I don't mean that at all. I don't mean it like that in any way, shape, or form. Um, Steve Spurrier was not an ace or elite recruiter. Yeah, you want to play for the Gamecocks? That sounds great. No? All right. Well, we'll just go get the next guy. And then I'll coach him up, teach him how to play ball here. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's really, really, really interesting over the last 20 years how things have changed. And a lot of coaches who were young, um, I mean, even Muschamp when he took the job at Carolina was a young head coach. Phil, he had only been a head coach for four seasons prior to 11 through 14 when he didn't even make it through the whole year uh, down in the swamp. And then Shane is now going into his fourth year. And I think a lot of what these young guys think, and when you look around the country at a lot of the young coaches back shoot, when Mark got the job up at um, up in Lexington, Mark Stoops, a lot of what he did was go after the young elite recruiter who can go just get a bunch of players. And then time goes on and you learn things and you figure out quickly, we got to be able to develop guys. And sometimes you got to be able to develop guys faster than, two, three, four in years, like, like you used to be able to do. Like, you got to get a guy in, and you got to be able to flip him over in a year, or else he might be leaving, and you got to replace the next guy. So how do you maximize the guys on your team, and who are the people that can do that? And, and I, you know, so when these coaches go out, like Shane having to go out and hire a couple of coaches, maybe maybe another one or two, uh, who knows? Um, it, it's really fascinating to see who fills those seats and how he thinks it fits the puzzle of the coaching staff and how they'll be able to – best collectively as a staff 
get the most out of these position groups, each side of the ball, and overall the entire football team. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing conversation. It, it, it's way above our heads to have it. I'm having it the best I can. Um, if 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 Shane was sitting here one day, and we'll ask him this when we get him on, you know, how do you do it? His answer is going to be different from Kirby's, which is going to be different from Saban's, and that's going to be different from Mark Stoops, and that's going to be different from Dabo's. There, it's just it's where we are. It's a it's an it's a whole different world. Yeah. Uh, Titan, yeah, exactly. Brad Lawing, unbelievable developer of talent. Now he 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 could recruit, but he he didn't go out and rec- he didn't recruit the stars, right? Now he, you do, you do, but he recruited tough nut football players. That's who Brad recruited. Mm-hmm. He he recruited guys who wanted to get their face in the dirt and get chewed out and all those type of things, but then be loved at the end of it. Like it wasn't all about love with Brad. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, you just got to love on everybody. No, you don't. Sometimes you got to chew somebody's ass. That's what you need to do. And and Brad didn't have a problem with that because he had earned the respect. Look at Devin Taylor. Devin Taylor was 6'7", about 215 pounds. And everybody was wondering why on planet Earth are they signing this kid to play football for the Gamecocks? String beam. He's never going to put on the weight you need to put on. He doesn't move very well. Kind of worked out. Played for the Lions for eight years in the NFL after that. Um, you know, and, and so, but then Brad could take Jadeveon Clowney who had JD gone somewhere else for a different coach. And these are his words, not mine. He would have probably walked right in and started and being, you know, Godzilla and, and probably would have still been the number one pick in the draft and the whole nine yards. But he said, I learned how to play football under Brad Long. Like nothing was given to me when I was a fr- matter of fact, he was harder on Clowney because of who he was. Uh, and, and those are the type of guys that, you know, you, you feel like used to be the face of college football you said just a little bit ago and you're right we are seeing and we're going to see more unless they fix some of what's going on in the sport those guys get out because they, they can't be who they are like brad lawing cannot be brad lawing in today's game because no yeah. the eight guys he coaches six of them might up and leave so when you go hire coaches it's amazing how these guys have to think about this with what they've got and how they put it all together yeah, I mean, there's certain coordinators who have existed and excelled in the past who just would will will fall on their face if you were to insert them, just pluck them out and insert them into today's day and time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, you know, not speak with direct authority, but anecdotally through my wife, who's been, you know, teaching people, you know, children of this age, right? You know, that high school age seniors that are about to make these jumps, these kids and recruits that we're talking about, like it is, it is a different kind of person now, just because of how different the environment in the world is today than it was even 20 years ago. So, I mean, there's also the relatability aspect of it. And, And I think it's interesting that we're seeing this shift in football and that you're having to balance your staff with someone who is, you know, an elite recruiter and relationship developer. Uh, and then, you know, there might be guys on staff, you know, or folks on staff that are just there specifically not to be in people's homes, but to, you know, bust ass on the practice field as much as possible <laughs> you know so it's like you're, it's it's interesting that you know and i think that kind of gets lost in the whole national narrative and that you know oh the game is changing the players the players the players this that and the other the money the money the money 
that was like, well, I mean, behind the scenes there, you're having to construct and rethink how to build a program from the staff perspective in this current time uh, as to how successful you can be. And, you know, I, I think the, the the coaches and programs who get ahead of that learning curve here, because, I mean, if we all bear in mind, this is still fairly early in the process of this new landscape. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are going to be the ones that we see outside of the premier brands and blue blood programs who are going to have some success are going to be the more innovative thinkers and the ones who are a bit quicker on their feet to change their staffs to accommodate the current climate of player. Yeah. History, history will judge this era of college football. Ultimately we'll get a couple decades down the road and we'll look back and probably all scratch our heads as to what on planet earth were we doing and why did we allow all these type things to transpire and, and and there will be enough data and enough information that it soon will begin to alter the thinking of players as some of you have pointed out Gamecocks have generally thrived on blue collar quote unquote three star type players who come in and develop we've also seen a lot of those guys come in and develop like Gilbert Edmond and say no nah, I'm going to take some money and go to Florida State and then a year later say nah, you know what I guess I need to go somewhere else now you know they, they're bought into this they're, they're being taught that everything is about that penny and less about doing what's best for you, and that penny will come. Um, and so ultimately, I think history will will judge all of this. But uh, right now, we are in a major transition phase, and that includes hiring coaches. Uh, Shane Beamer, though, has hired one in James Cole. We've got to step aside because Matt Anderson, host of the Late Night Gamecock Show, uh, shoot, six, 7,000 of you last night tuned in to check it out after the Court Cox fell on the road in T-Town. We'll talk to him about that. We'll get into some football and a whole lot more here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you, getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Hey, Gamecock fans. Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta Packs to take Tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Bryce Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time, 803-543-6297, 803-543-6297. Rescues and Resin, proud supporters of Carolina Rise. They are also proud partners of the show. They make products you can't get anywhere else. Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate, make your home, 
or make anything stand out. Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. January 10th. Welcome back. Matt Anderson, late night Gamecock show host joining us for the remainder of our program that is powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com for you slow drivers in the left-hand lane. We found a way to get around you by going only 28 miles per hour. Can you believe that? Uh, The bridges, the interstates of South Carolina are filled with people that literally have no idea that you can go as slow as you'd like in the right-hand lane and not the left. So we have decided to purchase an electric bike from Michelle and just pass them in the right lane at 28 miles per hour. It's really that simple. You can do it with the ice cold Diet Dr. Pepper or even something else as long as you hide it from the people that don't want you to have it. Electricbikescharleston.com. You can also get in shape uh, this uh, winter as we kick off 2024. Keep this in mind. And I know some of you are going to go as you're putting the Cheetos in your mouth. Mm. You said you were going to do it on the first. You didn't. Nah, let me let me just get through the first. I'll do it on the I'll do it on the February. That'll give me shoot sixty days, ninety days, get trimmed down, and then the summer will be here. You know exactly what I'm saying. You've all done it. Everybody's done. It. We've all done it. And then all of a sudden it's May. Take shirt off, and you go, son of a. If I would have just done what I said I was going to do, I wouldn't be so embarrassed going to the pool, going and getting the boat. Charleston Fitness Equipment, that'll help you out, but you better do it now. Don't wait too long. Isn't that right, Matt? Man, you are, you sound like my wife. We actually had a conversation about the gym and if we need to keep our membership because I'm, I'm not utilizing it, evidently. <laughs> so I um, need to talk <laughs> to those fine folks and see if I can put something here in my new office and get you gotta, it to work. You've always got enough time until you don't. That's how it, work, that's how it works when it comes to working out. Anyway. All right, Matt, uh, we're going to uh, take a take a little bit of a left-hand turn here and, and get back into some hoops. Uh, Carolina last night was thumped on the road in Tuscaloosa, uh, 74 to 47. If they could just swap the numbers, they would have tied, which would be better than a 27-point loss uh, in T-Town. So um, I'm just going to. I mean, you're you're kind of the basket. You're our what are we what are we going to call him, Phil? We got to give him some type of nickname, like 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 Maddie Brackets or something. That's Joey Brackets, right? Yeah. So what what are we doing here? Like 
Maddie Matt oh, Matt's Madness. Matt's Madness. Yeah, there we go. Matt's right. Madness. All right. Hey, JV, you never you never surprise me, man. You always just have the perfect words. I, I appreciate it. We'll, we'll do something like that. Um yeah, you know, last night, last night was fun. Um, you know, hopping on for a live stream, instant reaction to the game. Um, I can tell you that the South Carolina fans were were not happy. <laughs> we're kind of relentless, um, both on the big spur and in some of the comments on my show that I had last night. Um, you know, just starting off, I thought that the Gamecocks started the game almost as well as they could have. Uh, Alabama had some, you know, unforced turnovers on their end. Gamecocks forced some turnovers. It looked like the Gamecocks were competing on every possession um, on both ends of the floor, but especially defensively. Um, Gamecocks hit a couple threes. I think it got up to an 11-3, 11-5 lead just to start to start that game. And, you know, I was actually surprised. I didn't think that Alabama would start as slowly as they did. I mean, we all know that they picked up the pace a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the Sears kid, he's just, you know, I was texting with some friends and just last night talking about, you know, bigger Devin Downey. I mean, just a freaking shot maker, plays tough and get to the rim. Um, you know, I think that I was kind of checking in on you guys. I heard um, David say that, you know, that one shot he made falling out of bounds. You know, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of those shots in my life, and, and there's nothing you can do about that. It was just a kid's night. Uh, looking at the looking at the box score, I mean, you know, Alabama did score 74 points, but outside of Mark Sears and Aaron Estrada, no other Crimson Tide basketball player got into double no. figures. Um, same same thing as last year. That's yeah. what I said to D.C. earlier. Forty-seven percent of Alabama's points in the last two games against South Carolina have come from Brandon Miller and Mark Sears. So, in twenty twenty-five, identify the best player and don't let that guy score, uh, and you'll win. It's pretty simple. Yeah, and and even the announcer kind of said that. You know, coming out of halftime, the announcer said, "Look, you know, that's the one guy you can't let beat you. And you know, if you can find a way at halftime to kind of control him, and the Gamecocks did. The Gamecocks did. You know, start to control him a little bit better in the second half. The Gamecocks couldn't hit shots." Um, you know, for the first time you know, watching South Carolina this year, and then there's been times when South Carolina has started slow. Um, I think that, you know, Virginia Tech, maybe Notre Dame, a couple other teams kind of got up to, you know, Mississippi State just on Saturday, you know, and then a three type lead, you know, couple, couple possession lead. Um, the Gamecocks were not getting good shots the entire night. Um, and, and most of the time, you know, I remember texting JC during uh, one of those games and said, look, Gamecock, don't don't fret because you know sometimes JC can get emotional watching a game. He can kind of go with the runs. Um, but I said, look, man, the shots are going to fall here eventually. And you know, last night, unfortunately for the Gamecocks, the shots didn't fall. Um, I think that you know, once Alabama kind of went on their run, um, you, you started seeing the Gamecock players try to you know play basket for basket, a lot of one on one play. Um, the ball kind of stuck. They settled for a lot of jumpers that I haven't really seen. Anybody settle for outside of, you know, maybe Michi Johnson, but Michi's just on another planet when he gets in Fuego, he'll pull up from anywhere. And, you know, you might say bad shot, Michi, and then, you know, until it, until it drops through the bucket. Um, but, you know, one thing I didn't, I did want to you know, point out to you guys, you know, Gamecocks had 17 turnovers last night. Um, Gamecocks traditionally do not turn the ball over 17 times, but Alabama had 15 turnovers. And yeah. normally the Gamecocks don't turn over their opponents that much. But, you know, just, just looking at it, the Gamecocks had eight assists in the entire game. Eight. And they made um, – Well, they only made 17 shots, so – 17 shots. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> great assist rate, but when you only make 17 shots, that doesn't 
that, that that's that's what it came down to though for me, Matt. Like it, there there ain't no crazy analysis with all this. This is easy. They just didn't hit shots, man. I mean that that's all it comes down to. And 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 really, we're really about ten minutes into the game when they had turned the tide over like five of their first six possessions or something. It wasn't even ten minutes. They're up thirteen to eight. You felt like at that point in time because they had missed a couple of open ones, including Michi. And I thought, mm, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, they're, they're – I, I I get it at halftime. You know, if you go with the ebbs and flows of Twitter, everybody that knows everything, oh, we're in a great spot. They were not in a great spot. And I'll tell you why. Because they couldn't hit open shots. Like, forget no. the scoreboard. They, they – they, eight, seven, eight minutes into that game, they should have been up by 12, 13 points. It wouldn't have necessarily been about the lead and the padded lead because Bama was going to score some points at some point in time, as we as we know. It would have been about the fact that they were hitting shots. That's what mattered. It wasn't about, okay, at 13-8 at that point in time when the tie kept turning it over, oh, man, they got a 12-point lead. That's great. Forget that crap. If they, if they have a 12-point lead, it's because they're hitting shots, right, Matt? That's why. And they couldn't hit shots. And in that moment, I felt like not, not is this going to come back to bite them right here. Is this indicative of what's going on? Because if they don't hit shots, they're going to get their rear ends kicked tonight. And that's what happened. And, and look, you know, from the very first time I came on your show, I, I told you guys that the three-pointer is the great equalizer in college basketball and that South Carolina had the ability to shoot well from, you know, beyond three-point line. And in most games, the Gamecocks have. You can, you know, point out maybe two, three games where the Gamecocks just really didn't get it going from the three-point line. But the Gamecocks, I mean, look, guys, I'm still wearing my Final Four shirt here. Like, the sky is not falling. You're going to take some lumps. Um, this was a, a really big test for the Gamecocks. And, I saw a topic on the Big Spur today, and I, I don't remember the poster's name, and I wouldn't call him out if I did. But he basically said what you said, JB. He said, you know, the difference was if the Gamecocks had made as many threes <laughs> as Alabama, they would have won the game. And somebody a couple <laughs> yeah, posts later said, man, I, I hate to say this to you, but well, duh. That's solid analysis. Last night was like the perfect storm, right? I mean, just the shots weren't going down, uh, you know, but I, I think one thing that I, I mean, I hated watching it, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm like, you're literally on the home court of what could ultimately be the best team in the conference. I mean, and they just caught fire. And it's just the perfect storm of them catching fire in the second half and you just going cold. And I I doubt, you know, I I felt at the end of it, especially right before we went on last night, Matt, I was like, eh, flush it. I don't think we'll see a performance like this again. The Gamecocks are definitely going to have to, you know, they're going to have to watch the film on this. This is going to be a learning moment, you know, Coach Paris is going to show them when they when their offense broke down what they settled for, and and one of the things when you're when you're playing essentially two games in three days, um, you're going to have some tired legs, especially on the road. And I think that some of that might have been tired legs. Some of that might have been you know Gamecocks kind of learning. Okay, we're in SEC play now. You know you don't have you know hate to say it you don't have Elon Winthrop and FAMU you know on a three game stretch. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I do think that I went to a back and forth with somebody on the big screen. It was all in good fun today, but you know, he's just all put out about Stephen Clark playing, and he he wants Colin Murray Boyle's to start. You know, all that kind of thing. But one of the things that I noticed about Stephen Clark is he gets his hands on a lot of 
offensive misses for the other team. You know, he tips the ball out. You know, a lot of the Gamecocks rebounds actually stem from Stephen Clark. So I think that he's a guy that, you know, everyone wonders why he's starting. Well, he's starting for a reason. The Gamecocks were up 15-11 through the first 10 minutes of the game last night. And the Gamecocks, you know, have needed to kind of weather some storms in the first 10 minutes. And Stephen Clark does bring a steadying presence there. Um, one of the things that I'm seeing some comments in here, um, I'm starting to get worried about B.J. Mack. Um, I'm starting to get worried. If you look at his last five games, I uh, pulled him up here. Um, starting to get worried about BJ Mack because he's 13 of 41 from the field and three of 11 from the three point line during the last five games. And if BJ is not able to stretch the defense with his shot, he clogs up a lot of opportunities for other Gamecocks to kind of kind of get in a scoring opportunity. Um, BJ is a big guy. You know, he's not that athletic of a guy. Um, you know, maybe they need to do some more um, action with some of their bigger guards to, you know, set some screens, let him get into the flow of the game early, get his shots off. But he's a kid that I'm seeing lose some confidence right now. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit worried about him. I mean, I've also thought about putting BJ Mack in that kind of super six man role, you know, come in, their team's kind of tired, you know, have an opportunity to knock down some shots and, and maybe, maybe Coach Paris will make that transition going forward. Uh, you see all the potential in the world with CMB. He's a kid that, you know, I watched um, a lob pass go up to him last night, and with just one massive bear claw, he just ripped it down, and nobody was taking it from him. There's a difference in in, in Colin right now versus BJ because I watched BJ try and um, post up Mark Sears from about 18 feet away and try and bully ball him down to the rim, and he got the ball stolen from him. Mac right. Had turnovers last night. Um, and Mac, Mac is a key to the Gamecock success this year, and they need to find a way to get him, you know, going again because there's some athletic big men in the SEC, and some of that bully ball is just not going to work um, going forward. Yeah, so I, I think, too, it, it, I don't care who starts. Yeah. Starting really at the end of the day doesn't matter as long as there's a – as long as you – whatever 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 coach out there, Lamont or – Roy Williams, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, some guys start guys because they don't want to upset the chemistry of the team. All right, so let's go back to one thing. Let's go back to something y'all just said. Phil said this earlier. That was one game. All right, they got they got, they got got beat last night. All right, they, they hadn't been beat for the last month. They're 13-2. and two. Um, And th- that's one game. So, like – you know, if there's some adjustments need to be made, that that's fine. I, but but like when when there's when there's you know when when some, when it back, when this team loses, it's like everything all of a sudden gets yeah. You know, well hold on just a second. Like just because you're in the starting five doesn't mean you're the best five. Like there's a reason why he's starting. Lamont could only tell you that reason. If you ask Lamont Paris, be candid. Tell me the truth. Is Stephen Clark one of your best five players? I mean, come on, man. Do we really are we gonna do are we gonna play this game? Right, Matt? Like we know the answer is no. But obviously there's a rotation with guys that he does and how things go. And none of this crap gets talked about again if they hit shots last night. That's it. Period. That's all that it comes down to. But there are a couple of things. The BJ Max situation. I like BJ as a player. I I, I have personally fit you're you're more of an expert on this than, than, than I am at all. So I'm gonna throw this out there at the wall and you either stick it or pull it back off. I feel like he has been trying to do some things that just aren't him. And I feel like it's important for Lamont 
this is just what I think. Again, very uneducated in this. To, you know, reinforce with BJ, you need to be the player that you are, and and the rest will take care of itself. Is that fair? I'd say it's fair. I think that you know, BJ in in of himself has a limited game in you know modern college basketball. I mean, look, I mean, even Jalil Okafor, Tower Tower Duke, you know flushed out of the NBA in like two years because they just don't play that style of basketball. And BJ at his size and weight and, you know, not being able to move and jump like a lot of other players can, um, he's kind of at disadvantage, but he does play a smart, crafty brand of basketball. And and he needs to go embrace that old man game that we see at the YMCA and, and just get some confidence back. He, he wants to be confident. You see it. You see it. I mean, the kids, Kids don't shush a crowd if they don't want to be confident. And BJ's done that a, n- a number of times this year. And, you know, you got to, you got to, got to make the shot after you do that, though, BJ. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise, yeah. otherwise you get it, you get it laid on pretty thick. Yeah. This is one game. And look, you know, when I was breaking down, you know, bracketology, or whatever on the big spur the other day, I said, look, you know, you're going to have, I think there was like seven or eight quad one games left the rest of the way as of, you know, last week sometime, maybe Friday. Well, Alabama was a quad one game on the road. Like you're not expected to win that game when you're an 11, 11 and a half point underdog. And I think that, you know, taking that in, in measured doses. And what I think about this too, and I, I just wanted the Gamecocks to cover the spread last night, like I, for an efficiency standpoint, for numbers standpoint, I just wanted them to cover the spread. If they won the game, that's fantastic. But they have 16 more opportunities the rest of the way right. in conference play. They're going to have seven, eight, nine. Who, who knows how many more quad one opportunities? A bunch of quad two, not very many quad three or quad four. And, you know, they're going to have to get back and pick themselves up. And they got a little bit of a break here going Tuesday to Saturday for the Missouri game and just to see what the Gamecocks do. That's well said. And a couple of comments here in the Nana's Porch. Nana's Porch, by the way, hats off to Chris because his food is absolutely fantastic too. If you're in that Charlotte area, Nana's Porch, have them cater it. Uh, big wash and Quantrell, uh, big wash said he didn't see this kind of players at Wofford. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. You know, he was able to do some things. SoCon's a good lead now. Don't miss it. Let's not, let's not bag on it, but yes, the SEC, there's an argument that it's the best league in college basketball. And, um, and the, you know, the last couple of games, I, I feel like BJ has been kind of, kind of trying to figure some things out. So I think you're with, you're, you're on it. And Quantrell, if BJ's shots start falling, he'll be fine. And I agree with that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, now you got to have some type, and I know we're at the end of the hour, so we'll pick this conversation up when we get back. But you got to have some sort of presence down low. I think you you hit it just a minute ago. Um, CMB is probably slowly turning into that guy. Still, though, want to make sure we, we we give some props. This they got out rebounded last night, and and I think a lot of that ended up being kind of an effort situation as time went along. It was just getting out of hand. But like these guys, they rebound well. Like Bosman for Donk is not a scorer. But when he gets in there, he, he he snags it. You know, I mean, like, th- they have roles. They're two games in. They're one and one. They're all right. Now, they might not be all right in two weeks. They might be one and six. They're all right right now. I don't think they will be. But they're okay right now. That's all right. to what happened on the court i think it was just the way that it happened like because you played your game to a t in the first half right you slowed it down you kept them out of the you know i mean shoot you held them to 30 points which is a third of what they 
average for an entire game. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, and then it was just like a switch went on for it's just an avalanche. Yeah, it's and it just just happened, you know, and it same just it, they started at home. Yeah. Maybe the mm-hmm. Same thing. You know, you let them hang around, they hit some shots, you feel it on the crowd and it, you know, that team scores 92 points per game. Like they were right. going to score. I mean, it's not like they were going to hold them to 50 points. Like they were going to score points. Uh yeah. Carolina had to hit shots. They didn't do it. They yeah, lost. Was it 16 second half points for the game. 16 or 18, whatever it was, it was under 20. It was it was paltry, but JC know, yeah, I mean mm. JC texted me last night. He said, basketball is just not an undefeated sport. I said, none of them are. No. <laughs> There's no sport that's undefeated. There's one football team generally that makes it through unscathed. That's all probably about to change, too. You know, there are no undefeated sports. <laughs> Except for maybe maybe Dawn and the ladies, if they can keep it going. But uh, men's basketball, undefeated, those days are gone. Time out. Final hour coming up. We'll be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. 
Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's the final hour Wednesday, January the 10th. Welcome back. Those of you affected last night by the storms yesterday, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, those in Bamberg, South Carolina, man, I am just so sorry. Uh, what, what, a, what a devastating, devastating loss downtown as uh, tornadoes came through town and, and uh, uh, tore it up, tore it up bad. So if you know anybody from Bamberg, or you're in Bamberg, uh, we are thinking about you. I uh, just know that, and anything we can do around here to, to be helpful, we certainly will. But uh, thoughts and prayers with those affected by that storm. There's another one, by the way, right on its heels coming through on Friday, and um, so we'll have to keep our eyes on that. I don't think it'll be 60 and 70-mile-an-hour winds. As I mentioned earlier, I was out there, half my fence fell down, and I was out in it trying to put it back up before the thing kept spinning around and headed on down the road or tearing up even more. So it was not a fun day yesterday. Uh, got some work to do around here, but uh, not like Bamberg and anybody that was affected by tornadoes and, and things of that nature. We're, we're just so sorry. And uh, we'll be thinking about you as we all move forward. Uh, Matt Anderson joining us here inside the Gamecocks. The show, Matt, of course, the host of the late night Gamecocks show last night was active after Carolina fell in T-Town to Alabama, 74 to 47 Gamecock traditions will get you dressed and ready to go wherever you may be going to work or to the game or just nowhere. Maybe you're sitting around the house. Maybe you need a cup, a new new Gamecock wine glass. Maybe you need a new Gamecock beer mug. Maybe you need a new tailgate tent. Maybe, I don't know, it doesn't matter what you need. They've got it. Jewelry, you name it, it's there. Gamecock traditions, and you don't have to be in Lexington. And no, you don't have to be at the village at Sand Hill either. You can have it dropped off at your doorstep by heading to GamecockTraditions.com. GamecockTraditions.com. Thankful for what those guys do for all the great Gamecocks out there. If you're listening from another state, 
don't worry. Their shipping doesn't stop at the state line. It'll go wherever you are. GamecockTraditions.com. Make sure you buy with the best in the business and the largest Under Armour selection of anybody that has South Carolina apparel. All right, uh, Matt, um, news from Columbia. Late last night, Matt Zinitz uh, reporting from 24-7 Sports that South Carolina is set to hire a new assistant football coach, and that would be James Coley coming over from Texas A&M. He has been around a while. He's initially from South Florida. I got a text this morning that said this guy uh, will be able to go down there and recruit well for the Gamecocks. We'll see. We'll see how it all works out, certainly. But leaving after four seasons with the Aggies and prior to spent four seasons with the Georgia Bulldogs, one of them solely as the offensive coordinator. He was uh, replaced by Todd Munkin and um, after just one year at the helm under uh, for, for Kirby Smart, and then he would go off and, and spend some time with Jimbo. Um, but um, also been at Miami, also been at Florida State. He's an elite recruiter. Uh, 44 four and five star players tied to his name uh, in his tenure as an assistant coach over the years, uh, which is a lot. Eight of them are five stars, if that's what you judge coaches by when it comes to recruiting. Um, so it's a it seems like a pretty good hire for Shane Beamer, a guy who can identify some talent. Now, according to David Cloninger, who joined us in hour number one, uh, it's not necessarily true that this will be a hat on a hat when it comes to replacing tight ends coach. Jody Wright, who has now accepted the head coaching position at Murray State up in uh, Murray, Kentucky. Great basketball program up there, by the way. Um, Basically saying that there could be some additional staff movement. Could be. Could be some additional staff movement. We'll see if that all comes to fruition. They're set to hire a running backs coach probably here pretty soon. And I think we all have a fairly good idea of, uh, of, of what that group looks like and who it may be. He won't coach running backs for the Gamecocks, so James Coley will not. So, uh, you know, they're they're going to go out and hire a running back coach. But not sure how much you've dug into him. We were discussing earlier, um, you know, the hiring and firing of coaches these days and what's best for your program versus their program and all this, that, and the other. One of the things that Shane has not really done is hire guys who've just kind of been cycling themselves through the SEC. Uh, even going back to old Marcus Satterfield's retreads comment a couple of years ago. Uh, but this is his third straight stop in the conference now in Columbia. Yeah, I mean, I've probably had as much time as you guys have to kind of dig into his resume. Um, you know, if you're on the Big Spur right now, you, you see a combination of SEC retread. We don't want him. Like, look, he, yeah, you can recruit to those those big schools, but can you recruit to South Carolina? And some people are saying, what an amazing hire this is. You know, this is fantastic. Um, I, I probably lean more to the really good hire um, right now. I mean, I know what they're losing with Jody and his ability to recruit. He was a great recruiter, um, very respected in that locker room. Players loved him, and they need to find somebody that could recruit. Now, whether wherever he ends up on, on the coaching staff, um, he's got plenty of experience coaching all over an offense. So I would probably say he's going to be an offensive offensive coach um you know he's been around the block he's been around some great coaches you know say what you want about Jimbo but Jimbo had success at numerous places along his you know throughout his tenure and didn't end well at Texas A&M but um he's been around some good coaches he's been an offensive coordinator himself at a big program like Georgia he knows the SEC inside and out um you know so it might be kind of nice to go get one of those Texas A&M guys after Gamecocks have had very little luck against them maybe he can tell us 
you know, where the, the secret sauce is in Aggie land. So the Gamecocks can get some wins in the future down there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the hire. I'm really excited for the potential names of the running back coach position. Um, you know, as DC kind of hinted at, as you mentioned, yeah, there's been, been rumors. There's been lots of stuff talked around, talked about behind closed doors. Um, I know that, you know, I, I personally don't expect, you know, uh, more than four coaches, you know, including the two that have moved on to to go on somewhere else or to be relieved of their duties in South Carolina. But the coaching convention is going on right now, a lot of moving parts. And, you know, I would say that this is a, a date that you keep circled every single year when it comes to college coaching changes throughout the country. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, um, this is never ending. I mean, it it just late November through. I mean, really, you can get to February. Is I I think that people need to like what was once traditional, or what may work at one institution is not going to be the same at another. And I remember just a month ago, up at who's getting fired today? Who's getting fired? Who's getting fired? Why didn't someone get fired yet? Fire, 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 fire. Dude, God, please do yourself a favor. Go buy go buy a bottle of chicken cock. Cut on the fireplace. Turn your phone off. You know, like, just relax. You know, they, they these guys have plans. Shane Beamer was making moves. That has been reported and reported and reported by people who actually know. Uh, and and now he has, and and I think that by the end of this week, we'll we'll probably have a pretty good idea of what the twenty four coaching staff uh, is going to look like. But I mean, also, I think something that that you know, this all ties into each other. This is all this all ties into each other. Um, there's another portal period coming up, <laughs> and another, and if you believe it, JB, another national signing day as well. <laughs> and nobody's even talking about that. Like, I'm not sure, like. Uh, the coaching changes that happen now like I don't really know like how much impact that has on NSD February 2024 but probably does when it comes to the portal because we know what's coming again in April as everybody starts wrapping up spring practice and players decide that well I gave it one more go I'm just not gonna do it or you know whatever whatever they decide so coaches who've moved around in the last 90 days uh, I don't know as in James Coley uh, or others will, you know, once again, there will be a new, there will be a new uh, group of players that these guys are familiar with if they're in the portal. Um, and so, you know, it, it just never ends. And you, so you're using connections and it, like that, that just never ends. I, I, I it's just really fascinating uh, what it's come to. Yeah, I think it's, you know, every every school in the country is going to be having the same battle that Gamecock fans feel they're going to have when you have a new coach and who does he know, you know, all those kinds of things. Like every, it's almost like you're starting from zero, you know, with the new coaching staff when you talk about, you know, the next portal window, you know, national signing day, who knows, maybe Coley has somebody tucked away and, you know, he's like, hey, this guy was on our board. We liked him a lot. Here's his film. Maybe you guys aren't familiar with him. I got a connection to him. You know, there's pluses and minuses to all of these types of things, and every school is going through it right now. Mike Mike Morgan says it so perfectly when he talks about the South Carolina bubble. Um, you would think that there is not football being played anywhere else in the country except um, in the state of South Carolina when it comes to South Carolina and Clemson. It's it's a it's a funny dynamic. Yeah, it it really is. So that's what we've got for now. Again, the 
running back position should be filled up. Folks that keep asking about um, folks that keep asking about the strength. Look, I haven't heard one thing on this, and neither of the people that I talked to. So if there is, uh, you know, if they're planning to make a move there with Luke Day, uh, then that's going to be news to everybody. Uh, and so, JB, think about it. Like with, with that in mind, who is the only coach that can be working with these players right now? Yeah, the strength. You, 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 you fire you fire a coach. You, okay, maybe you have an interim, something like that. But you know, this is an important time for the Gamecocks to get bigger, stronger, and faster. Especially you know what we saw a couple times this past season on the field. Yeah, so I, th- I, it's important. What do you make it? Because here's the thing: like I'm, I'm not. You know, I've talked with Luke uh, on my old program. I remember when Luke got hired and. We talked to him for about 30 minutes. He was a phenomenal uh, dude to talk to. Uh, saw him in the facility maybe maybe a year or two ago, probably about two years ago. I haven't talked to him since, but that, that was just a great guy. Um, one of the things that I was fascinated about him when I got to know him, this was really neat. I, I had never even thought about it this way. He said, you know, a lot of a lot of my philosophy in, in, in coaching strength and conditioning at this level – is based around natural body movements, around natural body movements and raw power. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he was like, you know, how many times do you hear in life that, you know, your grandfather or this or, or this guy's grandfather would have just had pure brute strength? I was like, well, a lot. You know, well, that guy used to be able to do this and do that. He worked on the farm. It was pure. And, and that was a lot – like, he implements a lot of that into his training. Now, I don't know the rest of it. This is just what he told me because I don't play football for the Gamecocks, and I don't have to go through any of this crap. Okay? So, I don't know what the rest of they do. But I remember – I have never heard that before. And Matt, ever, you know, being in, around college athletics now or in it for over 20 years, um, I've been around a fair share of strength coaches who are really, really good. And I never heard that before. It just never clicked with me. But, you know, I, I do think that, like, this is just my personal, just watching them play ball. Like, I feel like both lines of scrimmage need to be toughened up. Um, I, I would like to think, though, that this staff has a way to do that because while Luke Day is the guy, think about who else is on this roster. Jamil Walker is the assistant director of strength and conditioning. Does anybody know who that is? He was the director of strength and conditioning yeah. at Arkansas. All right. So and, he and a, come, one of the big reasons that Rocket Sanders is at South Carolina as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Nobody was even talking about that when Rocket was being recruited here. And I, I, I kind of had some scoop on this. I was like, okay. Uh, if anybody knows whether this guy is or is not going to be healthy and whether he can play, it's this cat. I mean, they, they know. Um, in addition to the SC, right? And then Chip Morton. Now, you know, Chip spent a bunch of time in the NFL – and this is not Chip Morton's team, but I know that Shane trusts big time in Chip Morton. Big time. He's in that circle. Every coach has a small circle of people in the building that they really lean on, and Chip's one. So um, those are excellent minds, you know, and, and you'd like to think that in lieu of, well, everybody got hurt and we're not strong. Let's just go fire the whole staff and start over somewhere else and just go do whatever. You would like to think that maybe this group of guys who have like 60-plus years of experience in this department 
could probably just maybe make some adjustments. Is that okay? Is that not okay? Do we really just need to go fire everybody in order to make people happy? Like, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think if you well, if you walk not. around, sorry, Phil, go ahead. No, I was. <laughs> I just said, of course we do. We need to fire everybody and start fresh. Yeah, well, every year, every year. Um, but I'm no, not- if you guys if you guys have been around some of these football players, if you've gone to you know a Garnet Walk, these aren't small individuals. <laughs> I mean, yeah. all these guys can go flip a car if they really wanted to. Like it, some of this goes down to you know coaching, you know installing that. You know, everyone talks about Brad Lawing and the way he instilled just destroy your opponent and I'm going to hold you accountable every single time. You know, Travian knows how to do that. Um, these guys are big and strong. And, you know, when you talk about those body movement things, um, I used to work out with the guy um, who was the all-time winningest tennis coach at a college program. Ridiculous athlete, ridiculous athlete, still in his 50s, plays tennis and wins, you know, the South Carolina 50s division. Um, all he did was things related to playing tennis. He didn't care, you know, how much you benched, how much you squatted, anything like that. He was like, go run backwards. Just sprint backwards. Everyone sprints forward. Sprint backwards as fast as you can because you're going to have to backpedal and you're going to have to run and get your tennis racket up. And he made his kids, every drill, had a tennis racket in his hand, in their yeah. hand. And when they did everything and said, no, practice this, that the ball's not there, but you have to know that. And that's the thing, you know, do what makes sense for pushing somebody out of your way. Yeah, I, exactly. Like, I'm not saying – I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't know. There needs to be adjustments made. Like, I, I felt – I personally felt like the lines of scrimmage specifically, they, they need some work. Bunch of guys, big dudes, strong dudes. Uh, but for whatever for whatever reason on game day, uh, you, you there, there wasn't – there wasn't enough there to be able to beat the big dogs in this league, right? I just – I didn't see it personally. Um, and we know that they've got guys that 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 is that that capability is there. So whatever they need to do to to get that fixed, I mean, like like I see JJ here, who who uh, you know is is in our chat box here. Um, JJ, I would imagine Shane Beamer probably has seen whatever you have seen. Spitballing here, okay, so. And and he didn't fire Marcus Satterfield either. Let's be actually correct on this. Marcus left for the job at Nebraska, right? Was he getting fired? Well, he didn't fire him, unless you get know something the rest of us don't know. Just okay, don't know. so yeah, so like I mean, I get what you're saying, and I understand that. I'm telling you what I know and what I don't know. You can argue with me all you want to. Okay, what I was told by Luke Day was talking about the people of old, you know, like just people in general, and how they had brute strength and how he implements that into his strategy as a strength coach, which is what he's done. Now, whether it has worked or not, and I don't think it has in certain departments, and others I do think it has, uh, you know, that can be fussed and discussed. I mean, there are guys that – it's it's worked out okay for right it, it, or, or no? I mean, what what about Xavier Leggett? All right, but that's a different position, isn't it? Different position group, right? Talking about a wide receiver versus an offensive lineman. So like maybe there needs to be made some adjustments made in the trenches, but overall, is it really is it is it really as bad as is the message board heroes will come to tell you? Because like the accountant 
who's sitting in Spartanburg right now, typing on a message board, telling everybody how bad the strength coach is at South Carolina, probably isn't the guy I need to listen to. Just kind of throwing that out there. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, you know, and then we're going to talk about, well, should have just made adjustments with Marcus Satterfield versus firing him or versus the strength coach. No, it, calling plays versus training players is is two different things, period. Marcus Satterfield had an excellent playbook. I know 100 guys that looked at it. He couldn't call plays. All right? He couldn't call plays. So, I mean, it's just like in baseball. Calling pitches as a pitching coach versus training a guy and putting 50 pounds of muscle in his shoulders to where he can't throw anymore or being able to call pitches, those are two different things. If you're a pitching coach, you're either a good pitching coach or you're not a good pitching coach when it comes to calling pitches. That's it. There's no in-between. You can learn a little bit here and there, but you either have a feel or you don't have a feel. You can make adjustments to not bulk the guy up and make him look like you know, a linebacker standing on the mound and tearing his shoulder up every time he throws the baseball, or you can actually, you know, teach and build core strength and leg strength and flexibility and make him the best pitcher he can be, right? Okay, so, like, you know, we come on. We can't go back and forth with apples and oranges like this. This is, this is asinine. You either know a little bit about it or you don't, and if you don't, then your opinion probably isn't needed on things like that. And I also think, you know, this is a point that I've kind of made on the big spur a few times and, you know, to my friends. I mean, everybody has even it's not just fans. Everyone's a fan, right? So, I mean, you have someone that's in your ear right now, JB, and Phil, you that text message say, why isn't Luke Day fired? Right. I mean, that's just what they want. But can you imagine, you know, the transition that would need to take place from one style of training and lifting to a different style right now? I mean, that that that's a process. You need to start. You know, working and working the players' bodies into a way they can handle it, because yeah. otherwise you're going to have a bunch of injured gamecocks come August next year, and everyone's going to be pissed off then too. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. And Harrison is a good point. Like, you know, there's like if it, now if they had if they had you know 30 hamstrings last year, you got a problem somewhere. There's an issue. Got to figure it out. Okay, you, that, that's a problem. Like, we got to figure out what's going on here. Soft tissue injuries and things like that. That's a training issue. Um. But, you know, when it comes to some of the things that we were seeing, I mean, you know, Nick Gargiulo getting his hand stepped on. And, and I mean, what was Luke Day supposed to do about that? Supposed to have his hand strong some, enough to be able to sustain 500 pounds of force on it. Yeah. I mean, like, what was he supposed to do about that? I, I did. I what I miss there. Well, I think a lot of what people see, the perception is, and it really is, it speaks to an ignorance, not necessarily in a bad way, it's just ignorance in its most purest form being a lack of knowledge is that, you know, you can, you have to develop the proper technique <laughs> and use the correct fundamentals. That's the whole developmental side of it. You know, it's like you because I've seen interviews and and things with guys at the next level at the NFL that are like, I spend hours doing certain drills, right? Not extra hours in the weight room, picking up more and more pounds. I spend hours in front of this dummy beating the crap out of it while nobody's watching 
you know, <laughs> into the wee hours of the night. And that's what made me better. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's pretty short sighted just to say, well, you know, it's all Luke Day's fault when, you know, it's a whole combination of things. I mean, there's been plenty of examples and you can see it too. It was like, man, these guys are kind of undersized, but they're really overperforming. Well, if you're using the proper fundamentals and, you know, technique, then you can get around the fact that you don't bench press 30 more pounds than the guy in front of you. So, yeah, you know, I, that, yeah. It's I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, tell me if you guys agree with this too, but what the heck was Luke Day supposed to do for Tro Trovon and Big Tree? You know, how, how big could he actually get them in the, in the two months that they that he had them when they had to go play on the field? How big well, can you get a guy? I don't I don't think it had really had anything to do with that. I, I, I think that and I know I know what you're saying, but yeah, I would take it a different direction. Like they were true freshman offensive linemen in the SEC. Now one of them ended up being a freshman all American in Trevon Ball, but like but, I mean, it, it wasn't about playing strong. It was about playing fast. And a lot of times up front, as, as John Strickland told me, now, if John's wrong, then John's wrong. You know, I mean, I don't know what an all-SEC performer at center would know about any of this. But sometimes strength, it looks like you're not strong when you're not playing fast and thinking fast as an offensive lineman. Well, that guy's getting his rear end kicked every time. That's because he's not playing fast. Why ain't he playing fat? Well, that's a different conversation. We go down that road and figure that out. That's a different conversation that whether he's strong or not, or whether he's in the right strength program or whatever it is. Um, and uh, well said, Bruin Nation. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, it is on Coach Tanner. Coach Tanner absolutely should have somebody <laughs> who, who has a bunch of hands on deck. Um, but um, but like you know, like you know, you know, to JJ's point, like. You know, with with the carry on, I I personally think this is I personally thought this when we saw the carry on in August, and I felt like when I saw him, I saw him back in April, like we spent a bunch of time with him, and he looked good. But then when we saw him in August, man, he was big, and and I personally felt like they, and I, when I say they. I'm just saying the program in general. If this is Luke, if it's Shane, if it's Montario, and it, it might have been collectively, might have been—I don't know. I have no idea. I, I felt like they personally did him an injustice by getting him to the size they got him to, um, because he didn't move well, as we clearly saw in the first game. And but he had moved really well for his previous four years at South Carolina, being a quarterback, quarterback sneaks and things like that running routes at wide receiver, he can move. He can move. And he could have done that at the running back position by having a little bit of a better first step, right? So, like, that's that's a – like, you want to talk about strength and conditioning? 100% willing to have that conversation with things like that right there because I don't think that that was fair to him. That was my thought. I asked people about it who know a lot more than me. I felt pretty good because they agreed and even said a little bit more than that, Matt. And, and, and I felt like that's a – when you talk about strength and conditioning, like are we doing the right thing for this kid versus with this kid and whatever it is. So you can probably always find examples like this on every single team out there. But because to carry on Joyner was supposed to be such a prevalent part of the offense, and we the very first snap we watched him run, we were like, man, he's in, he's in slow motion. What's going on here? I, I felt like that was something that was probably a mistake. I personally just thought that in the offseason with DK. Yeah, quick, quick, quick aside here. Just so you know how strong these guys are. You know, you had Wesley Saunders on your show a little while ago, right before the Clemson game. 
Wesley will be the first one to tell you. He came in. He wasn't in the best shape. He needed to tone up. He needed to lean up a little bit. His freshman year, in between freshman and sophomore year, we were at the lake, and we were on jet skis, and he flipped a jet ski. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to turn a jet ski back over, you know, when you flip one. But, I mean, we had to put three life vests on Wesley so he'd float. But we threw him out there and just, boom, just flipped it. Like, these guys are strong, and it takes takes them a time to – play fast and not think and do the things the right way. But I promise these guys are strong. Yeah. It's a, yeah, they're, 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 they're definitely stronger than I am. Um, I have to be careful what I say. Cause one of them catches me in an alleyway. I might, you know, get dab. Right, right. You don't want to come cross with these guys. Yeah. Even yeah. if they, yeah, cause they can all bench, you know, a hundred pounds more than I can. A <laughs> hundred at, at least. A <laughs> hundred. What are you hey, mentioning, Phil? Are you up around 300? Because these cats are throwing four and five, man. Starting to, I'm starting to, to come into that mature old man strength that people talk about, right? It was like I'm picking things up. I was like, well, that was a lot easier than I figured it would be. Hey, wow. I'll tell you right now. Hours later, I'm trying to soak it up some salt. Phil, Phil, Phil will beat them all in a push-up contest. Phil can do man, push-up I, for days. Yeah, I don't know that I want to go down this road with Mad Dog. This is uh, 100. <laughs> Wow. Hey, hey, did we ever figure out what happened to Dabo's eye? No. <laughs> <laughs> the picture enough, I was like, you know, I don't care. I really don't care. I don't want to know how it came. I don't know how it got there. It was just perfect. There's it's only just, so yeah. many ways that that happens. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You can only run into so many doors. Yeah. It, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Joe asks, how many rushing yards? Do you think Sellers will have next year if he plays every game? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 5,000. 5,000, Joe. He's going to run for, uh, I don't know, eight, 900 a game. I don't know, man. I, I'm just messing around with you. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, how many rushing? I don't know if it'll be 500 or not. Let's sit over under at 35, 35 a game. 35 and a half a game over Good under. number. Yeah, yeah, it's a good number. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah, 350. It's going to be part of the offense more than it was. But um, how much of that is designed and how much of that is, oh, my God, i got to get the hell out of here. I don't know. I guess uh, that's TBD. Or it's fourth and I one and he goes it. rogue and decides to run for 60 yards. It's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. All right, uh, we've uh, we got a got a slide to a timeout. It's one. 32 here on this Wednesday afternoon. Matt, uh, hanging with us through the end of our programming. We, of course, are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. It is good, delicious stuff. No matter how much we all agree, we could all sit around a fire pit and and enjoy a nice glass of uh, Chicken Cock. You can find it on the app, the Chief Sports app. Of course, we're driven by Love Chevrolet. We love Love Chevy. This new year, you'll love the new deal you get at Love Chevy in Columbia. Time out. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Gypsy Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels.
Magnum, Velotra, Convention Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, 
and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup Swing Shop. Play ball. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida, and you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. On deep drive to left. Morgan looks up and it is gone. The 2 is sent to center. And this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from Passes, and it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Langford looks up, and it's gone. Yeah, not far away. Gamecock baseball. Thirty. What are we? Thirty-seven days from the first pitch at Founders Park, Miami of Ohio. Lt. Tolbert back in the dugout. He has been uh, brought in to be the unpaid assistant coach. Essentially, is what it is uh, for <laughs> Coach Kingston and his his staff. So, congratulations to Lt. After a couple of years in pro ball. He'll be uh, back helping out um, with the Gamecock baseball program. So we'll see him here in just a couple of weeks as uh, things get going up in Columbia. And uh, Carolina looks to get back to the Super Regionals with a chance to go to Omaha here in 2024. Hard to believe they haven't been since 2012. It's uh, it's time, and we'll see if they can get it done. All right, uh, Matt Anderson here, final segment, 140 here this Wednesday afternoon. It's luckily a nice day out there. Sure wasn't yesterday. I see many of you talking about what happened in Bamberg and also throughout the state. Uh, JJ, I'm not uh, – I didn't realize that Gatlinburg has been flooding. Matter of fact, at the end of this month, so we go up there to Maggie Valley often. My family's got a house up there. And um, and, and we will buzz over. It's only an hour uh, from, from, from Maggie. And we'll buzz over there a lot and go eat and – Blake Shelton's bar and take the kids to the aquarium and, you know, Anakita and Kista and all that stuff. Anyways, my point is we, we go to Gatlinburg often. It, did the flooding happen? Like, is it coming out of the, like the Creek that runs through town or what's going on up there? Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize. Realize. yeah it, it was, it was basically, yeah. The pigeon river is just overflowing. Because it's right down there. Some of the pictures I saw were right down into the heart of Gatlinburg, right there, at like the basically the lowest point there. Uh, and yeah, it's a mess, <laughs> complete flooded mess. Wow, that's yes. looking at it now. That's that's unbelievable. Well, and that that so I guess that is technically that goes through Gatlinburg. That is technically the pigeon, isn't it? Yeah, little mm-hmm. pigeon ridger. Little, it's little, it's the little, river. the little. Yeah, yeah. so. But it's very, like, I mean, it's very, very low. Uh, and I know that they can release, wa- you know, I guess they can open it and release it, water, or whatever they need to do. 
but like if you've ever walked through Gatlinburg, which obviously y'all have, that's not a it, it's not a high river. Like it, it's it's I mean it's very rocky. It's like a rocky creek essentially is what it is. Mm-hmm. So if that's overflowing, I mean, and that's built. I mean, you've got ten feet or more down into it in spaces when you walk by. So if that's overflowing, there's a lot of water in that thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I have not seen any of that. That's um, man, that's scary. That's yeah, scary. basically the same thing that happened here in Greenville is that there's this like lowest points in town there, right there at the riverbed, and and you know some of the park areas just get completely flooded during massive rainfalls, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean up up to the 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 roofs of oh i just yeah i just pulled it up that that looks like the atlantic ocean Mm -hmm. wow holy smokes jose's i've I've, jose's cantina i mean shoot we park right there it's right next to margaritaville yeah right down there in the thick of i mean it's right in the heart of downtown gatlinburg yeah (laughs) oh my gosh this is scary Mm -hmm. wow i mean that is mm, not to steer this ship in the wrong direction around here. I know people probably are that will come back and listen to all this later on are wondering, we can't see it, Jamie. What are you talking about? I get it. I apologize. Um, I just hadn't seen any of this. So this is really, really devastating to see. I mean, they'll recover because uh, it drains out of there pretty quick, but all that water going up in the streets like that is that's scary. That's scary. And probably a pretty tough time for that to happen, too, because it's the end of um, for not just like where we are. I mean, but like other parts of the country, this is like the tail end of Christmas break for many of them who are actually off through this time because they go back a little bit later. And then remember, they stay in school like through like the middle of June in some places. Um, So there's probably a bunch of people still up there. Man, that's nuts. All right. Uh, well, anyways, uh, the transfer portal rankings have been adjusted for those that um, that have not seen that 24-7 sports latest rankings are out. South Carolina is number one. No, I'm just kidding. They're number eight. Uh, Ole Miss is uh, Texas A&M at two. Uh, the prime timers come in at number three. We'll see if that does them any good this year or not. Um, they, they sure looked fun to watch in the first three or four games of the year when they sucked after that. Uh, Louisville uh, four, Florida State at five, Missouri at six, Southern Cal at seven, and then there's the Gamecocks uh, checking in at number eight ahead of the uh, Wolfpack of NC State and TCU. But Missouri at number six has my attention. It's got my attention. You know, we talked with Brad Crawford yesterday, and he's got – it's January. I joke with Brad about this, but I do mean it. It's absolutely absurd that anybody does preseason rankings – in January for college football. But the reason that they do it is because we talk about it and people read it and they take that crap to heart and then they go on, you know. Um, I know why they do it, but it's less relevant today than it ever has been, right? Because of everything we just talked about, Phil and Matt, because of Transfer Portal and and all the NIL and all these things that allow kids to just get up and leave. So who knows what your roster looks like in you know August, September, compared to uh, beginning of January. With that said, uh, yesterday, Crawford predicted Ole Miss or ranked Ole Miss third in the nation. Uh, even if that gets adjusted a decent, and that's without Quinshawn Judkins, even if that gets adjusted, Ole Miss is still a team that is going to be very, very highly talked about as a an SEC program that could, you know, 
make some noise. Um, the conversation is always going to start with Georgia and Alabama. LSU is going to be in it. We all know that. And um, and then Tennessee is probably going to be floated in there next year. But 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 Ole Miss is probably going to have everybody's case for the third best team in the league. Can we all agree on that as it stands right now? Right. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, okay. they're gonna have a lot of hype. Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, have a lot they'll of have hype. the hype. That's what I'm saying. They'll have the hype. Like the who's the? Yeah. I mean, until they're not, Georgia and Alabama are going to be one and two. Until they're not, they're going to be everybody's one and two every year. Until they're not. But then who's number three? That's always the question. Who's number three? Is it LSU? Is it Tennessee? Is it? Oh, we got a new player. Is it Ole Miss? And that's going to be. They're going to be a lot of it. But Missouri, you know. They're, he's doing exactly what he did. He signed some good high school players. He's developing players, and then he's adding dudes from the portal. And this goes to the, you know, the conversations that have been had around here about. Um, and I don't, I don't disagree with them. I'm just saying they've been had about his South Carolina signed a wide receiver number one, as JC says. That's a video game term, but or an NFL term. But have they signed WR one in the? We don't know. We don't know. They have Gage Gage Laverdane, right? Laverdane. Yeah, I, that's right. You know me. I'm Gage terrible at pronunciations. Gage Laverdane. <laughs> he was WR one. <laughs> so by the letter of the law, they did sign WR one because he's been number one at uh, Miami of Ohio for two years. Now, what everybody's getting at is, did they sign the next Juice Wells? We don't know. We, we will we'll never know until they show up. But Missouri signed a running back that nobody even heard of, and all of a sudden he comes out this year and blows the doors off of the SEC, you know, rushing leaders and all that type of stuff. Um, And so you don't really know with these things. But, you know, Eli has seemed to kind of figure it out when it comes to the portal. He's done a nice job. He's signed a bunch of guys who come in, they fit with their program, they've been able to win because of it. And now here they are again, as it stands in January, they've got the sixth-ranked transfer portal class in college football. South Carolina's got to play them next year. Again, for whatever reason, this team can never get off of the Gamecock schedule, um, and it's going to continue to be that way for a long time. That's 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 concerning as a Gamecock fan, and it should be, because look at everybody else that they're going to have to play. Like, you, right now it's just Vanderbilt. You know, like, you, there, there needs to be another couple of teams that, like, hey, we can pass these guys, and – Missouri's passed a bunch of teams, not just Carolina. They've passed Florida. They've passed Kentucky. I mean, they're up there knocking on the door of trying that's to be the next Ole Miss. Yeah. Like, that's that's a problem, guys. And and here they are doing it again. Yeah, I'm sure we'll spend the entire offseason, especially summer, when you know once baseball ends and getting fired up about the SEC schedule and talking all these all these teams through. Um, but this is just life now. We've talked about it a lot on the show. I mean there ain't no easy game in the SEC except for Vanderbilt. And, you know, Missouri, I know they've raised a ton of money in NIL. Ole Miss has as well. Um, you look through this this Missouri class and it looks like some dudes. <laughs> it looks like some dudes. Um, let's see what happens to running back for them. That that guy kind of stirred the drink for them. He was amazing. Um, great, yeah. great player. Um, we'll see what happens with Missouri. But, but yeah, yeah. Um, Tough, tough road to hope for the Gamecocks. Well, I mean, like, where does – I mean, so A&M's got 21 transfers in the boat right now. Ole Miss has the number one transfer class in the country, and they only have 12. Only – I say only. That's a lot, but 
compared to 21 at A&M or 20 at <laughs> Colorado. Louisville has 24. Florida State, just nine. Obviously, they're bringing in a bunch of talented dudes. Uh, at number five, Missouri, just 10. South Carolina's in there at number eight with 16. So what am I getting at here? Missouri with a top six class with only 10. And Ole Miss with uh, the top class with just 12. Like, they haven't brought in a ton but they've brought in really talented football players. I mean, it's the same conversation we had with the Gamecocks recruiting class. I mean, exact same type deal. You know, small in numbers, high in quality. Yeah. Both both these teams did it. Yeah. And A&M, you wonder what's going to come of that. I don't know what to make of Mike Elko over there. I like him. I like him. I do. I like Mike Elko as a coach. I don't know what to make of him as A&M's coach. Like because of A and M, not because of Mike Elko. Like uh, it didn't work for Jimbo. They fired Kevin Summer. Didn't work for him. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to matter what they do. They're going to be seven and five. <laughs> well, and on top of that, you got Texas coming into the SEC as well, and A and M is going to be under a microscope from their fans because you know for a while Texas has been in that old conference and they've have been the flagship program of from the state in the sec and you know you go look at those preseason recruiting rankings and texas is pretty high up there is there any at all uh truth to texas a&m potentially down the road wanting to exit this league and shift back to the big 12 based on some of the things that have floated around, because I don't put a lot of stock in any of this stuff. Has anybody seen anything different from what I have that gives a little bit more oomph to having that conversation, or is that just all a bunch of hogwash? Because, because generally, again, when I see stuff like this, whatever, later, dude, uh, people stirring up crap. A&M doesn't need ESPN's money. We no. all know that. They don't need ESPN's money. Also, if A&M or somebody big like that were to say, I'm going to like the Big 12, which has essentially been gutted. That's how it's viewed. It's been gutted because Oklahoma and Texas have now exited. If they were to shift out and shift back, they're instantly the team. Like they are the face of the league. It makes the league more valuable. And when it comes to TV negotiations, naturally, they're going to get more money anyways. So I'm I'm giving a little bit of a extra push to the conversation there as to why I would even entertain reading about something like that. Have y'all seen anything that led leads you to believe there are actually legs legs to that conversation? I think until you see how some of this realignment settles, I think you had Mike on the other day and you were talking about Clemson and Florida State and all that dust, you know, going to the Big Ten, going to the SEC. I think that before it, any team and you know Texas A and M you know, included before any team makes a move of, you know, that magnitude, they got to know what they're leaving and, you know, what it looks like for the playoffs going forward. You know, how strong is the big 12 going forward? Um, but I mean, yeah, you go throw A&M in the big 12 and that's what Clemson has been in the ACC for the last decade. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I know Saunders said, you know, JV, what? Yeah. Crazy. Right. Like if you're, <laughs> If you uh, let's say let's let's turn this conversation a little bit differently, like if Florida State and um, 
Clemson were to leave the ACC. And I asked yesterday Brad and Mike what their sources have told him, both of them. Mike, with his little grin, thinks it's coming. Not for the SEC, for the Big Ten. They'll be departing for the Big Ten. If that were to happen, and as you just pointed out, if I said, all right, South Carolina, now it's time. Get out of the SEC. If you if it's if it's about winning, right? If it's about winning, get out of the SEC, get back to the ACC, you'll you'll be you'll be at the top of the league. Like you'll just be at the top of the league. You might not win the league every year and they wouldn't, but but you'll be a program, right? Well, people can laugh at that, whatever it's a hypothetical, it's not gonna happen. But the main reason that it wouldn't happen is because South Carolina doesn't have AM money. A and M yeah. can do really at the end of the day whatever they want to. So like when I see a report or when I see conversation begin about something like this, I don't really put a lot of stock into it until you look at who, who are we talking about here. And any school with any type of value in the state of Texas, which A&M is and has, you, you don't automatically dismiss it when there are people who talk about it if you can read enough between the lines to figure out, okay, this isn't just some message board bozo coming up with some ridiculous thing just in order. For, like, there are enough people with billions of dollars in oil money who support – billions, I said billions – of dollars in oil money who support the Texas A&M Athletics Department who are crazy enough to say, yes, we will give you the money if you will get out of this – and go to the Big 12 where we can actually go win some ball games and get into the college football playoff every year because we won't really need to do much except for beat the teams that we're going to beat anyways. We'll see. And take it a step further, JV. You know, those guys with billions of dollars remember AM in the Big 12 and want more of those Big 12 banners potentially, you know, hanging up in, you know, at Texas AM. But and on top of that, you think about a school like SMU, like what they just did to go to the ACC. Okay, Florida mm-hmm. State, Clemson leave. Guess where SMU's going? <laughs> right to right. the Big Twelve. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. But the I don't know what's going to happen with the ACC. I think when those two teams they they are going to leave. Clemson and Florida State are not going to be a part of that conference in a couple of years. What happens to the rest of the league, man? I don't know. I, I I don't know, and I, I see I see what you're saying, Sonner. You think the Big Ten would want Miami over Clemson, and I don't think it's close. M- maybe I don't know, um, but I mean, we've had enough intel around here to think that when Florida State does depart the league, and once they get their finances in in a ducks in a row to be able to do that, that Clemson is going with them, but not of course to the SEC, more likely to the Big Ten. What does that mean for the Big Ten? Is it is it a better league than the SEC? I don't know. From a football standpoint, I don't know. Uh, there are other sports, certainly, we can argue. If, if I'm Clemson or Florida State I'm, I, and I have the option and I know the Big Ten is going to be sustainable long-term, I'm picking that over the SEC for all sports every day of the week if I know that money's coming. Yeah. No Man. question. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No <laughs> doubt. Uh, Joe said, we have said a whole lot of nothing in the last 30 minutes of this episode. That's certainly not uh, what uh, my brain feels like. So, but uh, appreciate you, Joe. You have yourself a good day. Uh, Quantrell said, uh, if you had to pick one, Sopranos or Breaking Bad, 25th anniversary of the Sopranos premiere today. Phil, Breaking Bad or Sopranos? Oh, you know, that's a, that is a, that's a tough one. Uh, you know what? I'm going 
I've always had a soft spot for uh, for organized crime at the mafia level, so I'm going Sopranos there. Oh. I was about to both say, it was both organized children. crime, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, specifically with the, with the you know, like the Italian-style mafia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go Sopranos as well. I, I just love how that show holds up over time, you know, being filmed so long ago, and it's still a fantastic watch. It's got one of my favorite pieces of life advice in it, too. A man's got to get his seven hours when it comes to sleep. A man's got to get his seven hours. Uh, I would say, man, that's a tough one. It is tough. I want to go with Breaking Bad. Not a bad. I mean, you can't can't go wrong. Wrong answer here, right? You know. <laughs> I mean, no put it this wrong. way: if you're stranded on on a deserted island and you only have one of these shows to watch, you're not going to be mad about either one of them. No, no, not at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think I'll be, I think I'll be okay with either one of those if that's what it came down to. Mm-hmm. All right, that is uh, the end of the hour, which means the end of the road here on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we will be joined tomorrow by Mike Morgan. JC will be back. We'll also be joined tomorrow by Chad Holbrook, former head coach at the University of South Carolina. Current head coach, head coach at the uh, Charleston. Have y'all, Matt, have you had a chance to check out Tim yet? I'm sorry, you broke up there. Okay. Oh, can, can you hear me now? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, have you had a chance to check out Chin Music? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I've listened Phenomenal. to every episode. Um, Blake Mitchell episode is fantastic. You want to get into Spurrier's head a little bit? Go go on, go listen to that one. Um, you know the the Roy Williams one. I couldn't put. I couldn't stop listening. I just stopped what I was doing that day and just crushed it. Um, it's all it's all good stuff, and it's not just sports, which makes it really really fun for me. Yeah, he's releasing a a, a major episode tomorrow with a major singer songwriter slash actor who sat down with him in his home uh just a couple of days ago and um and so we're gonna have him on to talk about that and uh start getting us ready for college baseball and all kinds of stuff really excited to uh, be working with coach holbrook and uh, honored to be friends with him and his family and all this type things so uh, that should be a lot of fun tomorrow here on our program as well matt thanks for all the time good stuff uh i know we'll talk to you next week gamecock's got a big one this weekend on the road at missouri a uh, final quick thought here. What do they need to do to win the ball game? Oh man, uh, Missouri played Kentucky pretty tough last night, uh, especially in the first half. Gave up ninety points. Gamecocks got to find a way to to make the shots that we know that they can make. Um, you know, don't turn the ball over. Make shots. Basketball is a simple game. Hit shots, right? Yeah, hit shots if you're South Carolina. Make more than you miss. Thanks to David Cloninger for joining us in hour number one. Always thanks to you and to Mad Dog Molnax at Master Control. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoe Company.